done this thing. Uh, hello and welcome to our third episode, and this is now after the you, you, you know the scene setters of the first two episodes, um, Curse of Frankenstein and Dracula. Now we're moving into territory of 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 wandering around the uh, the the timescape of Hammer's film production, and uh, yeah, this is more what we're meant to be doing now, isn't it? Yes, we're going to be uh, just choosing alternatively. Uh, one that we want to watch and review, and it could be anywhere in the Hammer timeline, couldn't it? And any any genre as well. Any genre, yeah. At one point, you know it's going to be on the buses. It is. Eventually, we will be doing on the buses. It is official. Yeah, we're going to be doing them all. It's our destiny. So, yes. And, you you know, the first two episodes, I asked you each time, you know, what's your background to to encountering this film? Um, And with Curse of Frankenstein and Dracula, that's quite easy to remember. But I think as we go around, and especially when we go into some of the more, you know, obscure, lesser known um, uh, uh, films that they produced, the answers are going to be quite different, aren't they? They are. Well, this this one, um, until I got the rather nice Blu-ray release, um, I don't remember ever seeing it. I might have done, but it's obviously not stuck in my, my head. Um, so yeah, I, I have no memories of this as a kid. I remember um, the Ingrid Pitt one before this, because it's part of a trilogy, well, a very loose yes. trilogy. I remember, uh, I think Vampire Lovers. I Vampire think Lovers, one. yeah. I remember that. That that used to get shown a fair bit, but I had no memory of this when I first saw it, and it was like, oh, this is, and it was quite nice, a, a whole new hammer film and i think we'll get that a few times where it's like you'll have even seen it and i haven't or i've oh. seen it and you haven't or we might even get one where neither of us have seen it yeah i'm sure that that, that yeah. will happen at some point um this I, I i i know i recorded off the tv yeah um and and i had on um you know just a home recording um and you say blu-ray yeah i've got the blu-ray and it's it it, it is fabulous but it is one of those hammer films which is annoying in that I had it Region 1 DVD, and then I upgraded to Blu-ray, but it's one of those circumstances where, I guess due to rights and whatever, um, I can't get rid of my old DVD because the DVD has an extra that you don't get on the Blu-ray. Yeah, you tend tend to find that, don't you, with between US and UK releases, the extras are the bit that changes or doesn't get ported over. Yeah, I think it's probably going to be rights in it. It's yes. Like we a lot of our a lot of our UK Blu-rays will carry like Channel Four documentaries, which don't appear on the Region One releases, no. um, and I suppose vice versa. Um, yeah. Can you yeah. remember when you recorded it off the TV whether it was cut? Yeah. What we're going to be talking about, especially with boobage. Um, boobage. Yeah, the boobage was was. Uh, um, considerably less. Count? Pardon me? Should we have a booby count? A booby count. Uh, and we have to count all the boobies for all the films. Oh, we can do. We can do. Yeah. Um, regarding, yeah, that 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 the, the rights thing, the thing that's yeah. missing off of that glorious Region 2 Blu-ray of yeah. this film, what's missing is my Region 1 DVD has an audio commentary with Jimmy Sangster and Marcus Hearn. I thought he was going to say Jimmy Savile. No. <laughs> um, 
Um, so yeah, and I can't get rid of it for that reason. Yeah. You know, I, I, the, the, that, the completist in me can't get rid uh, of it. Do you know what? I, I'm the same with Alien. So I've got the I've got the Blu-ray and the the 4K version of Alien. They're like definitive. You're not going to go back and watch them in anything else. And yeah, I've got to keep my quadrilogy and trilogy yeah. and single release because they've all got different extras on. Yes. Like you can't let it go, can you? No, you can't because. You, You'll be watching the making of, you go, what is that bit? And it was on a different making of. Yeah, it, it, there's never a uh, a definitive edition. No, and I don't think you ever will. I mean, no. in the green room then, you were just saying about you've got the 4K 2001. Yeah. Um, but, you know, who's to say somewhere down the line, another one comes out with even more extras, and in which case you've got to get that, but you can't get yeah. rid of that one. Well, I, I mean, I know for a fact on that one, because I used to have the uh, the MGM... Laserdisc box set. It was like eight discs of two thousand and one, uh, and the extras on that were just mad. It was the old chapter play where they'd put like a thousand stills on it, yeah. And you advanced using the chapter function, and you so you could read a page of text and see a still. It was a great. It was almost like a book on Laserdisc. And I remember on that there was behind the scenes photos I've never seen anywhere else. You know, during the making of and things like that. So. But I, I don't have it anymore. Well, actually, I, I kept the the Laserdisc, but I don't have a Blu-ray. Uh, Laserdisc player. Hmm. So it's you know. Yeah, I've, best, I've still uh, got a couple of them. I've got no way of playing them if I no, wanted to. No. Yeah, I've still got my Blade Runner one, which is yeah. great. Um, for it's got loads of extras just like that, but no way of playing it. No, it's no. it's mad, isn't it? But you don't want to get rid of them just in case. Well, you know, you've got them. As well, yeah, exactly, it gives you a little yeah. bit of comfort as you sleep during the it night. Does, yeah. You know, yeah. yeah. As we as we sleep, our collectors sleep. We know that when we die, we'll have the most toys and win. Yes, we, we can yes. die happy. Yeah. All right, let's get back on track, and uh, so we're going to talk about uh, lust for a vampire today. Yes, we're going to get lusty. Lusty, indeed. If the very thought of vampires makes your flesh creep. We call them the undead. They're vampires. If you think all vampires are ugly creatures of the night, then you're in for a shattering surprise. This fresh, warm blood into a body of thy making. Welcome to the most exclusive finishing school in Europe, where the quest for knowledge continues long into the night. You see, I have studied your magic. I know the black art, and I want only to know more and more. Here, the masters are quick to recognize an outstanding pupil. The portrait of Camilla Karnstein died 1710, 120 years ago. And do you know who the portrait was of, Mirkala? It was you. Welcome to the finishing school, where they really do finish you. I spent the whole of last night going through Giles's researches. And believe me, they are powerful evidence. Evidence? 
Of what? That you are a vampire. You say that. And tell me you love me. Prove to me that you're not. Love me. The genesis of the, of this film is um, James Carreras, um, very happy about you know how things were going when they were how things were slotting into place on the production of the Vampire Lovers, and it was only um, two days into shooting that that's when he commissioned a sequel. Two days into shooting of the Vampire Lovers, it's like, yep, we'll have another one of these. I wonder what he saw after two days that he thought. This is going to be a massive... Boobage, boobage, I reckon. Yeah, I reckon boobies. Boobage and, um, yeah. and lesbianism. You, I think that's well, what it that, is. That was a big thing at the time, wasn't it? Um, everything was starting... Everything was going lesbian. Well, it, it, it was the censorship uh, was, yes. was, was slackened, wasn't it? Which had allowed yeah. for more boobage and more stuff. And, yeah. uh, you know, Hammer... Um, I mean, they were... They were a great company, but they, I, you couldn't call them an exploitative studio, but they, 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 so, they, no. they, they could see trends, couldn't they? They could, yeah. They, I mean, Hammer does get lumped into exploitation films. I, I, I think you're right, I don't think they are, because there's an element of, of um, expertise and artistry involved. That I, for me, a, a pure exploitation flick is just that, isn't it? It's released to make some quick money down and dirty. And I don't think Hammer's out, but I think you're right. They could they could see a bandwagon to jump on. And they jumped on. Boy, did they. Um, and, and sometimes the results were wonderful and sometimes the results weren't great. Um, but I think what was, what was good about their business model was they could turn on a sixpence, couldn't they? They weren't... They, they didn't... Like Disney at the moment, and um, especially with their style, they're, they're up sort of a particular creek without a particular implement because they plan like two, three years in advance. Mm. Whereas I think Hammer probably didn't know what they were doing the next week, so and, they could change it. And, and I think that's out. gone. Uh, I don't think we'll ever see the likes of no, I don't think so. James Carreras going, Yeah, we'll have another one of these. and come up with the title i mean it was tudor gates who who, who wrote the script what a great but name, yeah but even before he wrote that script they had the title you know to love a vampire yeah. and james carreras clicks his fingers i want a bit of artwork and it was just solely yeah. on a piece of artwork which was bashed out in a day and i'm not i'm not disparaging the artwork no, no, some of no, them could be absolutely yeah. fabulous Right, I want a bit of artwork. I don't know. I mean, there's a really good book called The Art of Hammer Films, which um, I really recommend. And, you know, they've got a lot of the pre-production artwork in there. And, and they always, you know, One Million Years BC is a yeah. classic example. Long, 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 months and months and months before they even considered Raquel Welch. You've got a girl in a bikini for a bit of promotional yeah. artwork. And they do, a lot of the times... You, you, you know, credit the artist. But I, I've, I've always wanted to know, where were these artists 
Were they actually yeah. in Hammer House, just sat there waiting to do a bit of artwork, or would, did they get a phone call from James Carreras? Right, it's called To Lust a Vampire, uh, uh, um, To Love a Vampire. You've got a day, produce something, you know. Yeah, yeah I think I think they probably were, you know, a bit like the the old British comic artists, where yeah, they would be sat sat at home or in their studio, they'd get a you know a, a phone call or a fax or something, and it was yeah, probably probably literally that. Uh, we're doing a vampire pick. It's called Vampire Lovers. Uh, plenty of boobage, please. Yeah, yeah. it's it's probably and it, this hammer was a factory. But everyone, everyone was at the sort of a good part, a top of. I won't say top of the game, but they they were doing a good job, weren't they? So yeah, you could call up an answer. I mean, my favourite poster that was never produced was that Zeppelins versus the pterodactyls. pterodactyls. <laughs> oh, I'd love to see that. Um, or the the weirdly that was it when cracking the world uh, when the yeah. world cracked open. Yeah, and you had the savage jackboot with Peter yeah. Kirk Cushing as a Nazi. Yeah. yeah, I mean, and and this is what I think they would do, and it is we're we're so used to like um, this being a, a comedy trope, you know, where where they'll throw out a title and go go make it. You've got X, but that's that's what Hammer would do, I think, wouldn't it? They they yeah. probably had weekly meetings where they would just point at each person around the table, and say, "Film ideas, you." Yeah. Um, oh, and I imagine this one was, or Vampire Lovers was probably. Uh, well, I, I've read Camilla uh, when I was at school. Yeah, go and make it. Yeah. Because the, the budgets were low enough that Hammer's almost always made money. Even the, the misses made money because their budgets were so low. Now, a film's got to be the, the most profitable film in the universe just to break even. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, a, mad, it's a mad business model they've got now, but Hammer had it perfect. It was like, Here's a hundred thousand pounds. Even if you make, even if you just film Peter Cushion doing his roses for an hour and a half, <laughs> we know it will sell and make money. Yeah, because they used to pre-sell the films, didn't they? To the, and this, this is what's weird is back when you know certainly when you were a projectionist and when I was a projectionist, you didn't have the the studios owning the cinemas. No, so. You would sell to individual cinemas. You would sell to individual groups. So they would pre-sell these films before they're even made, and know that they're making a profit. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've 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 shown you, and, and I've put on on my own Facebook page, and I will eventually, you know, as the subjects come along on uh, on on this podcast. Um, you know, um, I've got an awful lot of publicity photos from the 60s from when I worked at the Canterbury Cinema, yeah. and that was an ABC cinema. And the reason there's tons of set photos from like Moon Zero Two, etc., etc., is because, yeah, at that time, Hammer were co financed by ABC. Yeah. ABC owned ABC cinemas, so ABC cinemas showed Hammer films exclusively. For the first couple of weeks, you could only see a Hammer film at ABC Cinema, you know? Yeah. And we, we're just not used to that now. No. But it, it was a great business model. And I, I'm, I'm glad they did have it and it worked for them because we ended up with films like like this one, which I say is, is an unusual little film, to say the least. But I'm glad they did it. You know, the, 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 the breadth of the Hammer releases... Is is pretty wide. Yeah, 
Yeah. So you say a hundred thousand. You're not far off. Um, yeah, um, yeah. Roy Skeggs um, said it could probably be made for a hundred and fifty thousand right. if they shot at Bray Studios and Oakley Court, yeah. which was next door, and they could start in May or June. But AIP, who were their partners back then, they pulled out because the uh, the lesbianism alarmed them. Right. And yeah. Um, yeah, so yeah. The film was put on hold. They looked for another partner. And in June, Bernard Delfont at ABPC came on board. And it was a go again. And that's when they moved the film to Elstree. Um, I made the mistake in the upcoming interview um, um, saying that uh, it was indoors at Bray. Of course, the interview that's coming up, we recorded two weeks ago before I started doing research. So, So, no, it was at Elstree. And, uh, yeah, the title was changed from To Love a Vampire to What We Got. Yeah. Uh, James Bernard said it was on Bernard Delfont's insistent, but Tudor Gates blamed uh, producer Michael Style. Because right, right. Um, I think To Love a Vampire is a much better description of the film we get yeah. than Lust. Well, yeah, I mean, yeah. what we're going to talk about in a minute is a love story. Yeah, if yeah, if anything, it's, it's yeah. not so much about vampirism. It's more about obsession, isn't it, Yeah, this film? Yeah, it's... It, it, it's a gothic romance. It's not a horror film. Um, I think if you come to this going, oh, it's going to be another Dracula, eh? you're going to be sorely disappointed. But if you come to it that this is a, you know, a, a fairy tale romance, cautionary tale, um, there's a lot to enjoy in it. Yeah, it, yeah. it really works well. But I can imagine, uh, I can imagine why they changed the title because. You want to get buns on seats. You want to get buns on seats, and sadly, it would have been mainly teenagers and men in raincoats, wouldn't it? Yeah. Well, yeah. Can, can I just say, when we say bums on seats to our American listener, we don't yeah. mean uh, tramps. We mean yeah, they uh, backsides. They, yeah. <laughs> yeah, they weren't. They weren't going around rounding up tramps to fill the, the cinema. Although no. I've I've been in a few flea pits that did have their a fair number of tramps in them, um, but uh, yeah, yeah, bums on seats. So, it was basically <clears throat> they wanted they wanted to appeal to the widest and at the time Hammer had a a reputation that you're going to see some boobage and you're going to see some some body yeah. action and and, and that's <laughs> why you know you earlier said Camilla yeah. that they that, that's totally Hammer to go no if we make this we can't call it Camilla nobody will come along we call yeah, it the exactly. Vampire Lovers. Yeah, people will come along, won't they? Well, Dracula has a recognition factor, but Camilla doesn't. No, um, and understandably. I mean, I don't know whether you've ever read Camilla by who Sheridan Le Fanu. La Fanu, that's yeah. it, La Fanu. Uh, and it was one of those where you're at school. Your schools seem to think schools think weirdly. Dracula is a bit of a bit of uh, low rent hokum, but. Camilla Azar. Yeah. And so we were, it was like, we had to read it. And it's just, it's an incredibly tough read. Most of these, uh, these sort of pre-Dracula vampire ones are very tough read. Because what we think of as vampires, Dracula set in stone and, yeah. and, and pulled together. And beforehand, they're mostly not. They're mostly like this. They're about, it's just forbidden love, isn't it? The, the, the vampires are not necessarily monsters. Mm. They're misunderstood. Um, which weirdly probably probably put some now more relevant than they were in the seventies. Yeah, but yeah, but yeah it, 
I could see why they would change it. Uh, Camilla, who what, they're not they're going to think it's another Emmanuel. Actually, they, if they thought that, they probably would have put it on. Yeah. We never got Emmanuel meets the vampires, did we? No, no, no. Presumably because Emmanuel was a copyrighted character. Yeah. Also, I mean, you know, that's a thing. Hammer never did what Universal did, and they never teamed up. You yeah. never had Dracula versus Frankenstein. I don't know if Hammer ever, ever even considered teaming up two of their monsters. Which is... Do you know what? I've never really thought about that. You are absolutely right. And, and it's such an obvious thing to do. And when, when Hammer... When it was tailing off, and they were doing things like Satanic Rites and stuff, you know, Dracula AD nineteen seventy two. Yeah, that's such a why unless the, unless they thought because they went down the route of our Frankenstein films were about Frankenstein, not the monster. Yeah. And yeah, true. What what we're gonna do is Dracula's gonna go, You look a muck like Van Helsing. Yeah. Um, <laughs> perhaps they perhaps they thought that was a step too far, but you could have done something. Yeah. Well yeah. maybe they just thought it was too obvious. Yeah, well I I always wondered if they might have gone down, because it, as we know, we're, we're both Universal fanboys. We love love ourselves a Universal Golden Age film, and it got so they 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 did the pure horrors. They were really successful, and then when they started to team off, uh, tail off team ups. And then yeah. when that tailed off, you had the last ditch, which was oh, Bung Abbott and Costello in it. Yeah, and I thought, wouldn't it have been great if they'd have done a Hammer one with Morecambe and Wise? Yeah, but because they made there's Morgan Wise films, aren't there, which are universally not yes, great. Yes, but yeah. but correct me if I'm wrong. Isn't one of her Hammer films Love Thy Neighbor? It is, yes. So you could have Love Thy yeah. Neighbor meets Dracula. Uh, yeah, can you imagine it? Because it would be I don't I can't remember the characters' names, but you'd have the white guy going. That's bad enough. We've got. Matey next door. You've seen who's moved in. Mm. Yeah. Oh god, you can almost visualise it. Or yeah, the the yeah. white racist guy turning into Frank Frankenstein's monster or yes. something. Yeah. You know. Because you and also you would have probably because Chris Lee would have not done it. You would have had Mike Raven as Dracula again. Yes, you would. Yeah. Yeah. yeah moving for, in next door piece. to yeah. love thy neighbour. Or it is one perfect Dracula on the buses. <laughs> well, we did. He was called Blakey. Yeah. Well, Blakey goes. I've, I've got my brother here. His name's Dracky. Dracky, and it's Mike yeah. Raven. Yeah, we, we're we're going to stand. We're going to put you on the the night route. <laughs> yeah, there's a film in itself there. Yeah. You know. Well, Hammer are back, so yeah. you know. Well, there you go, Hammer. If you want any ideas off us, yeah, we're full of it. <laughs> yeah, we're available. Yeah. 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 Uh, before we talk about the, the film, I've got um, I've got Jimmy Sangster's book open again. Yeah, I've got some lengthy quotes from you because uh, yeah, as I say, this is, this book goes for no less than sixty quid right now. So uh, save you shelling out for that. Um, I turn to the chapter it's a public about public service you're providing. Isn't it? I am, yeah, yeah. So, because of course Jimmy Sangster directed *Lust for a Vampire*. Yes, and my first quote, he says this. Lust for a Vampire, the title alone should have worn me off. In fact, when I came aboard, it was called To Love a Vampire, which isn't quite as bad. Apparently, the project was originally designed as a follow-up to The Vampire Lovers, produced by Harry Fine and Michael Style, which had been made in partnership with American International Pictures. But AIP backed out of this second Karnstein movie, and it was temporarily shelved. 
Earlier on in this book, when I was writing about X the Unknown, I said that one of the worst things that can happen to a director is being hired when the movie has already been cast, the set's built, and they've dotted the I's and crossed the T's in the script. This was the case here. The script by Tudor Gates was okay. There were a couple of things I would have done to it if I'd had the time, probably more than a couple, but I didn't have the time and the producers didn't want me messing around with it anyway. Right? So that's quote one. Yeah. Okay. Quote two, turn the page. Quote two. Peter Cushing had been cast in the part of Giles Barton, but his wife Helen had become very ill just about then and he begged off. If Helen hadn't got sick, it would have been interesting to know what excuse he would have come up with not to play the part because he would have been a disaster in it, completely wrong from all directions. So the first thing Fine and Style asked me, who did I think should should be cast to replace Peter. Out of desperation, I suggested Ralph Bates, as that at least would mean I had a mate on the movie. They agreed with me. I think this was the last time they agreed with anything I suggested for the entire movie. Ralph later said he agreed to do the movie as a favour to Jimmy. I thought it was a tasteless film, and I regret having anything to do with it. Him and me both. Both. (laughs) Okay. Then he says, the rest of the cast were signed up already. Now, I can't pronounce her name. Is it Jutta? Jutta. Jutta. Jutta Stensgaard, a pretty Danish actress model, was playing Mia Kala. I read somewhere in an article by a man called Nicholas Barbano that the reason I, Jutta, wasn't a huge success in Lust for a Vampire was because it was a weak script, badly directed. I grant you the script was weak and the direction wasn't all that it could have been, but Mr. Barbono fails to mention that the reason reason Yuta wasn't a success was that was because she wasn't a very good actress. I I don't I think that's a bit harsh. Mm. Bit harsh. I think he's a bit he's a bit down on this movie, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. But yeah, uh, yeah because whilst whilst her being dumped does no favors and, and fatally weakens the the main role. Um, for what she's asked to do, I think Yuta does a yeah, a pretty good job. Yep. I don't um, mind her. No, I don't. I think she's 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 quite a strength. Yeah, for the film, really. Okay, so that's all my behind the scenes. We're just about to talk about the film, but before we talk about the film, we have an exclusive interview, have we not? We do, yes, yeah. As yeah, I say, with, done uh, with a couple uh, of weeks uh, ago. Yeah, with our Judy. With Judy Matheson, who plays Amanda, yeah. one of the uh, the girls from this finishing school. And uh, yeah, yes, so one of the the air quotes teenagers. Yep. From this um, finishing school. Yes. So uh, yeah. So we're gonna. I thought we'll play the interview now right, because okay. then we can refer back to things that uh, Judy mentions when we talk about the film. All right. Yes. So this is where we insert the interview. Should see the thing saying that there is a recording happening. Have you got that, Judy? Eric is recording the call. Yes. Yeah, there we go. Just popped up as well. Yeah. Yours has just popped up. That's because you're in Judy's bedroom. No, now stop. Stop. (laughs) You know how old I am. You can you can take the boy out of Essex, but you can't take the Essex out of the boy. This is true. I mean, girl, I'm definitely an Essex girl. I come from Essex. Well, you're used to this, then, Judy, aren't you? I'm used to Essex. (laughs) Smart and innuendo. Indeed. You know. 
Well, Actually, we, you know, we're talking about the British film industry. That was pretty much uh, made of smut and innuendo, wasn't it, at one point? Well, at this time, it, it was, was Carry, it was. Yeah. carry yeah. On and Hammer, wasn't it? Simon Sheridan has, has just made a, a movie, a film, a feature documentary about exactly that, which Channel 4 are going to be showing uh, in the new year, next year, beginning of the, beginning of next year, yes. And um, I'm in it, and all sorts oh. of people are in it, talking about exactly that. Yeah. Matarama. Oh. Butterama. Oh, that's we, we, we will look out for your Butterama. I can just imagine. Smutterama. That makes more. It's not, it's not Simon's word. It's not Simon's yeah. word. Ian and I, I, I think Ian and I, uh, we were saying one time when we talked to you before, Judy, uh, it was like we were discussing afterwards. We were saying, shame Judy ne- was never in a carry on film. Were you ever offered a carry on? No, I wasn't. I wasn't. I wish I had. I wish I'd done. I really wish I'd done a carry on. I really wish I'd done a Bond thing. I actually was. Uh, I went to a casting session down at Pinewood for carry on. Um, and I don't remember which one it was. And there were sort of four or five of us young women sitting in, in a line outside. And I can't remember anything about the audition. I can't remember. Uh, I mean, you know, it's part of the, uh, one's life all the time, going to things and getting rejected. Mm. And uh, whatever it was, I didn't get it. But um, I don't know how hard I tried, but um, I didn't get it now, of course. Now I really regret it. I didn't regret it particularly at the time, I don't think. You just moved on, you know, you moved on to the next thing. Yeah, well, that's <laughs> hindsight for you, isn't it? It's not a very positive thing, hindsight, is it? <laughs> no. It were, were the, so at the time, were the carry-ons... Were they regarded as something people wanted to do or was it just regarded as a sort of another job of work? Because we look back on them now as like so iconic British. They're like, indeed, indeed. Yeah, I, 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 I think it was just I think it was just um, on the whole, most of the stuff, including the stuff that I did, was pretty much run of the mill sort of part of a jobbing actress I always use that phrase that's how it was you went to things you got them or you didn't uh, you there's some things you really really wanted um and you really tried hard and uh, and sometimes you got them and sometimes you didn't but other times it was just run of the mill sort of I, I don't th- I can't remember thinking I can't I definitely can't remember thinking I really want to be a, in a carry-on film I mean look as you say in retrospect I definitely would have liked it, but I can't remember thinking, oh, I wish, I hope I had that. It's quite an effort, though, that they took us down to Pinewood. I don't know if they'd done a preliminary audition in London, but uh, the fact that we went down to Pinewood mm. to uh, to meet somebody, I don't know. Because um, they, they were notoriously um, scrimpy with the money, weren't they, the, uh, the carry-on yes. guys? So, mm. yeah, it's interesting. that I wonder if it was carry-on girls, because that... Um, that would have been around 1970, something like that, 71? Well, 71, possibly. Yeah. 70, um, probably not, but 71 or 72, maybe. maybe. Any, I really, actually, I'm just guessing here. Okay. All right. Well, that's a nice segue into, <laughs> into your Hammer work, because my first question of the day was going to be, um, before you got cast by Hammer, I'm guessing you were aware of the Hammer films. <laughs> I, again I can't remember it's terrible I mean I, I imagine I was I imagine I was because um they were glamorous and they were yes I think I was but I can't I, I can't remember my state of mind at all I cannot remember 
Okay. I remember that both times, both times that I went for a Hammer film and got it, I wanted it. I did what earlier about whether sometimes you didn't want or sometimes you didn't. But I only ever met the um, the two the two producers, Harry Fine and Michael Style, for uh, both of them, and uh, I really liked them. I got I got into uh, I really I really enjoyed talking to them, and I found them. You know, very responsive. You know, it's very interesting going to an audition. You can actually remember, you know, if you had quite a nice t- conversation, quite quite a nice time. Even if you didn't get the job, it made it worthwhile. And certainly, uh, with both my Hammer interviews, they were. Um, I, I I liked talking to the producers. Never ever met either of the directors, which is rather odd. You never met either director. Beforehand, I mean. Oh, beforehand. Yeah, the right. auditions, I mean, yeah. Uh, the auditions, which is odd that they weren't there to select. I can, but but um, I think both times I'm not sure now, but I think both times they were they were sort of thrown in at the deep end at the last minute, so the casting was probably already done. Uh, and, okay. uh, and and Jimmy Sangster sort of um, f- filled in, I think, at the last minute for Lust for a Vampire. Yes, yeah. Um, before I ask the next question, Judy, just then, you, I don't know if you touched your microphone or something, but you were mid-flow and something happened, but you're all right now. So I don't know what you did or or your builder did or your husband <laughs> did <laughs> or I'll Ian keep, did. I'll, 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 I'll keep my hands away from the, from the side. I think. Are you just... Fair. Are you... Just I can't even say. Are you gesturing as you're talking? Are you yes. are, are you a bit are oh, you're being flamboyant and waving your arms around? Yes. Are you? yes ah. I, that's what I've got to keep still now. I know you're performing, Judy, but rein it in. <laughs> All right. OK. Right, All right. Been told that before. <laughs> take, take it down, please. Take, take it down. down. Yeah. 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 Hands by sides. Please. Can we have a little less? <laughs> All right, then. So so so. If we can take it back to, you know, 1970 and Lust for a Vampire. Um, I mean, this film is well known because, you know, originally Peter Cushing was going to be in it. But, you know, he had to pull out because his wife was very ill. Terence Fisher was going to direct it, but he had to pull out because he had had another accident. Um, And that was very late in the day. I think Jimmy Sangster took over directing like two weeks from the start of shooting. Were you aware of any of this before it? No. No, it's really odd because I've obviously learned about all that now since we at the time. And I think it's been in other other of the uh, schoolgirls have said, too, that, you know, we were completely unaware of any of that. It was a really happy shoot. It was about six weeks. We had such fun and it was such a lovely weather and a lovely location. And um, yeah, I mean, we had no I had no idea. I don't know whether any of the leads Yuta maybe but I doubt it I doubt it she may have been she may have been told that somebody has been changed for the director um but but no we had no idea okay you say about the producers oh Harry and Michael um Jimmy Sangster in his autobiography um paints a different picture he didn't get on with them at all because they it seemed that they were quite you know controlling they wanted to have a hand in directing and uh yeah he, he he's quite explicit in his dislike for them so that's interesting that you had no problem with them but obviously jimmy did yes and also maddie madeline smith has gone on on record as saying she had great difficulty with i think 
I probably shouldn't. Well, she's gone on record and said it with one of them. And I won't mention which one that she found quite difficult, um, was was a bit sort of um, handsy around the place. But I had none. And in fact, Michael Style took a shine to me in a really good way. And I think my my first husband, who was an actor, was away during a lot of that filming. Michael Style used to take me out to dinner. But he would pay for a cab to come to my house. I'd go out. There's a place in uh, Chelsea, uh, in Mayfair called the White Elephant. I'd meet him there. We'd have dinner. He'd call a cab and send me home. So there was never any nonsense. But we had very, very nice conversations. And I had a very, very nice meal. Very good. Right. Yeah, I, I like that a lot. Yes. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Bear that in mind. All right. So if we go scene by scene, then in in Lust for a Vampire, your first scene um, is you giving you and the other two giving Michael Johnson's Richard Lestrange a scare in the crypt. Oh. Uh, what what was Michael Johnson like as a guy, as he a was person? A nice guy. He he also I'm not sure gets a very good press. Very very. But he, as far as I was concerned, he was extremely nice. He was extremely personable. And I actually thought he was very gorgeous around the place. I thought he was gorgeous. And he was, he was just a very nice guy. And I think one, once or twice, I don't know what's been said about him, but maybe just that he wasn't people. I think people criticise his work, actually. But he was very nice. He was a very, very easy guy to get on with. The guys were all very, very nice and jokey with each other and with us. And he was, uh, yeah, lovely. I can only say that. I'll tell you the problem I've got with him is uh, that hairdo he's got is very um, early 70s, you know. It is. It is. Yes. You've gone very quiet, Ian. Are you no, no, I'm, I'm, I'm listening fascinated. Yeah. Was Michael Johnson um, originally going to be a different actor? Because there's quite a strange age difference, isn't there, between the, the teenage schoolgirls and uh, Richard Lestrange. Although I suppose it was that age, wasn't it? It was the Sid James era of uh, age difference didn't quite have the same meaning then, did it? Mm. But I didn't think my, I, I, I mean, looking back, and I haven't seen the film for a long time, but I've seen bits of it, obviously. And um, I, I don't think he seemed a lot older. I don't think he seemed a lot older, does he? How old was he? I don't think he seemed a lot older. I mean, we weren't, we weren't, I mean, we were all in our 20s. We, you know, well, you know, I'd been to drama school for three years and then I'd done other things. Were you meant to be teenagers? Yeah, we're we're at a finishing school, I think. So we'd have to be at late teens, I think. Right. Okay. Yeah, I, I, I get a feeling it was meant to be sort of 18, 19, wasn't it? I think Uh, so. uh, Finishing school. Um, But yeah, it, because I'm just trying to work out his age. I think he would have been about 33, so not not that much older. But I suppose in the in the story, uh, he was meant. To, you know, he was slightly older, wasn't he? Mm. Yeah. yeah. I don't. Know. I don't mind him. I don't mind him. No, no, he's, 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 he's quite a hairdo. personable lead. Yeah. Yes, yeah. I think I think that's exactly right. I, I, I Sometimes people say it's a bit wooden or they criticise, you know, there's always criticism anyway. But um, I, he, he was very nice and I thought he was good. And I, I did think he was quite, quite gorgeous. Mm. I think the first time we see you and Pippa Steele and the other lady whose name I've forgotten to write down, there's How the three. of Ah, there you go. Thank you very much. The three of you are in your, you know, cloaks and, and menace him. I'm sure the fact that there's three of you, you're meant to be ev- evoking, you know, the three brides of Dracula that are in the novel 
and in many versions of the original Dracula, you know, I'm sure that's deliberate. Um, but uh, yeah, this scare that you're giving to is broken up by Ralph Bates. He's yeah. Giles Barton. Now, I know uh, you liked Ralph enormously, didn't you? Yeah, I did. I got on he, really, really well with him. Yes. Yeah, he's so good in this as well, playing a a slightly uh, oily <laughs> character. Yeah, he's um, a good actor. He's a very he was good such actor. a good actor. Yeah. Yeah, that hairdo does him no favours, <laughs> does it? <laughs> you know? But he also but, gets. In fact, I think I started to listen to to a to an American blog that was on Twitter, and I didn't listen to it. I just didn't listen to it. Um. For, for more than a couple of minutes but they were critical of him uh, well, uh, you know there's the thing about acting and actors and performances is you know nobody's right so people like 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 a performance uh, for instance um you know you take somebody like marlon brando some people like him some people dislike his work in, immensely there's no right or wrong and i think um i think he ralph bates gets a little bit of criticism sometimes for being a bit over the top in this part he was sort of not quite right for it was he really he had to sort of act uh, act older and act it was a caricature in a way wasn't it well you you say act older but of course it was meant to be peter cushing in the role yes. which is yes. con- considerably older yes yes i and can't he, sorry he, he, was more, he was more of a caricature in it i mean he was sort of oh, yes sort of but not a little little bit overactive perhaps, perhaps yeah i i think he fits really well because i always the lust for a vampire is is aged really well i think because it unlike some of the other hammers it's almost got a um sort of a a, a fairy tale quality mm. hasn't it and i think his performer i i watched it yesterday ready for this and I was entranced by his performance. I thought this this is good. And, and of course, he, he dies pretty quickly halfway through the film. Um, but I know I thought it, it fitted in perfectly. It's interesting that people were uh, criticising his performance. Well, that might be before. Yeah. And I think you're exactly right, Ian. I think it has got a sort of revisionist revisionist critique now. I've done my best to do that as well. And it, of course, it got a Blu-ray, so it looks beautiful. Oh, and, yes. um, and I always call it the Disney, the Disney-fied um, hammer. It's so beautiful. And, and, you know, what you've said about his performance, it really fits in with that. Uh, and I think it has aged very well. And, you know, there are some people, some, um, you know, cognoscenti who decided it's the worst hammer ever. But I think they some of them are rethinking their views now simply mm. because it's a light. It's quite a light thing. It's it's got some very good actors in it. Beautiful to look at. And what's not to like, really? Yeah, I mean, I think it's perhaps from some sort of hammer sort of diehards. Perhaps they don't rate it because it's it's not really a horror, is it? It's more of like a gothic with a big old K at the end romance. Um, But yeah, I I I agree. I think the film looks amazing. The 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 exteriors. I'm not I'm not sure. I'm presuming it was Black Park and no. No, well, I, don't know, oh, really? I don't know about the park, but I've got I've got it written down. It's Hunton Park in Hertfordshire oh, really? is where the school amazing. was. I'd, yeah, I'd, I'd love to live there. I think it's well, beautiful. The, the, the actual building is still there, and I think it's a hotel. Mm. And a, a lot of a lot of people sort of you know again they cognoscent it, visit it, and sort of see yeah. exactly where. And there's a wonderful guy's name. I should slip my memory now. He's, uh, uh, Ellis. Ellis. He's a very nice guy. He 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 does location tours and he he go he 
you know, takes people to these places and shows them exactly inside the hotel, for instance, where things were shot. And uh, yeah, no, it's um, it's uh, it's quite an, it's quite a hobby. It's become yeah. quite a hobby. I, I I hope that people make pilgrimages there and dance around in diaphanous gowns. <laughs> I, I, Wave, I like waving, to yeah. yeah, waving a sheet around. Yes. yes. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to do it next t- t- time I'm down that way. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. You say the Blu-ray is gorgeous and it is. And of course, you know, they put certain uh, scenes back in or longer takes. And that the first bedtime scene has a lot more uh, nudity in it than I remember, you know, from the old DVD. Um, and this raises the question, and Jimmy Sangster says it in his autobiography, that there's what he calls clear the set moments where you would film a sequence and then they would clear the set and then they would do a a, a, a raunchier version, a, a more naughty version. Were you yeah. aware of any of this? Because yeah. I, I've seen conflicting accounts of how many scenes were actually of that type in this film. Um, yes, uh, yes, I can't, I can't tell you. I know the scene. I think I know the oh, girls are getting undressed, aren't they? they? They definitely. I mean, it was a bit of a joke at the time. They did used to clear the sets. They were actually terribly respectful about all that sort of thing, and there'd always been a wardrobe mistress with a dressing gown standing by whenever you did um, in the seventies <laughs> nude scenes. They, I mean, they didn't disrespect the ladies doing the work. They would clear the sets, but yes, there was always. And I, I always joke. I'm never quite sure if it's the Scandinavian version. Or the Japanese version, but they they would say now we have to do the Scandinavian version, and and it would be, and it would be there would be more nudity, and it would be literally for the Europe uh, the Europe audience. Mm. I think it was for the Europe European or the Scandin- Scandinavian. I always say Scandinavian because they were always very naughty people, but um, <laughs> not, quite, not quite sure. But they did used to do at least two or three different versions. With my scene, which comes much later, which you'll touch on, no doubt, of that, they did they did it with the sheet up and then the sheet down. And I think. You can uh, I think she just pulled the sheet up. Judy, I can't <laughs> hear you. <laughs> oh, no. Oh yeah, what have you? Were you pulling the sh- were you pulling the sheet up then, or what? Looking out the window, which was obviously a mistake. Maybe I was pulling the sheet up. Yes, yeah. I was keeping it in front of me. I should have done what I do for Zoom and propped it up properly, sensibly, and instead of just holding it and waving it around. Well, you're perfectly fine now. So whatever you're doing, just keep doing it. All right. All right. We'll we'll move forward to Bray Studios where, you know, Giles is giving a history lesson uh, to the students and you get a nice close up at the beginning of that. And then you get an even bigger close up when they go out to the Karnstein's vault because you're eyeing up Mia Carla, aren't you? And you get your one and only line in that as well. I don't think I realised I only had one line until quite recently at one of the do's, you know, one of the events, one in Finchley, oddly, and somebody brought me an original script and uh, showed me. And I thought, I, not, only, not only is it one line, it's one word, as far as I remember. Well, That's I all you've got, yeah. I sort of vaguely thought I had a sort of proper part until he brought me the script, which is quite quite depressing and that was just a couple of years ago in fact it but, is um, incredible that you've got quite a, 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 a few scenes in this film and you have one line in your other film twins of evil you're hardly in it but you get far more dialogue than in this one indeed indeed it's odd isn't it i just want to correct something wasn't done at bray studios i've never been to bray studios oh okay 
All right, a studio then. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, next, we've got the scene I, I, I've seen you mention on your Facebook page, you know, that uh, you missed out on the discovery of Giles's body because you were the girl who was meant to walk along the log and find the dead Ralph Bates, weren't you? Yes, I was really cross about that, but, you know, I didn't have the courage at the time to say it was supposed to be me. It was one of one when you when you got the script, you know, and you were looking through it and to see what you had to do. I'd already accepted it looking through. And I loved the look of that scene. And I loved the fact that you have a scream, a big scream. I've screamed all my life. in <laughs> things, And my very, very first job was with the Bristol Old Vic in Romeo and Juliet. And my very first thing I had to do ever professionally was run across the Bristol Old Vic stage and scream because Romeo and Juliet were having a fight. Uh, I mean, not obviously but Romeo and Juliet, but in Romeo and Juliet, there was a fight. And so it's the first thing I had to do. So I sort of held this sort of as a talisman, really, the scream, a, a, literally a scream queen. So I had this scream and then Carol Little did it. And um, the David, I think his name is David, um, the fir first assistant called her out and and. Uh, told her to do it and honestly a lot later in my career I was excuse me David I think you'll find in the script it's it's um my part there but oh no 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 this I'm just gonna go sorry that is the phone that we never use and suddenly it's, 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 <laughs> that was that David on the phone, phone. it's the <laughs> You know, the sort of the, the old fashioned phone, and nobody ever uses it. And suddenly, at half past four this afternoon, it's decided to ring. It's, it's Jimmy Sangster ringing up to apologise <laughs> for taking your scene off you. <laughs> he didn't take it off. It was, the, it was the first assistant. I think I must have offended him or something. I really think I must have. Um, and then I, I think I'm not sure it wasn't. Um, it was very careless. It was either very careless or very deliberate on behalf of the first yeah. assistant. And I don't know what it was. Was there was there any sort of rivalry between the uh, the schoolgirls? Um, obviously, uh, yeah, li little bits like that. I, not that, not was... that I was aware of. Not that I was aware of at all. Now, now, if Carol had been a little bit also more mature, if we'd all been a bit more mature, she probably would have said, no, but actually this is not mine. But she wouldn't have had the courage to do that. No, either. no. It was a courage thing, and it was a thing of speaking up in front of everybody. And for this, exactly the same reason that I didn't, she wouldn't have done. And she probably was quite delighted to do it. But there wouldn't have been any um, side to her doing it. She would have done it because she was told to. And professional. We were, all, we were all sort of, in the, when we were having the lessons and things, we were all told where we had to sit by the, by the, um, the first assistant. And, you know, there was no arguing. You couldn't say, well, I'd rather sit next to you, <laughs> which everybody wanted to. Um, so, no. Uh, um, there was uh, that was a sort of accident happened, and I've held a grudge about it ever since. <laughs> Sorry well, they, to rake that yeah. up. They might you, you got to convince them to do a CGI version where they put you <laughs> you in place on the log. Yes, <laughs> yes, just have her walking along. Yeah, yeah. the the Matheson cut. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. 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 We'll do a crowdfunder. Um, so your final scene is near the end of the film because, you know, Richard interrupts, you know, Mikala's seduction of Amanda. And and as you say, yeah, th there's two versions on the Blu-ray. The sheet is down on other versions. Yeah. The sheet is up. And I saw that on the original theatrical run, 
And I don't know if they're talking about the UK or America, but but that scene, your seduction, was cut out entirely. Hmm. That's very weird because it's sort of a bit of a bit of a sort of a, sort of quite an important little scene, really, for what's hmm. going on. I'm surprised at that. Yes. Yeah. So was that a cleared set even with the sheet up? It was a cleared set because they would have done it one after the other. One take oh, after I see. The other. It wouldn't have been two different setups. Same setup. Exactly the same setup. What was very odd in retrospect, it's a very odd. Um, I do remember I was quite, you know, I was going to be always very professional about anything like this. I was never going to make it fuss or do anything. In, in retrospect, again, I, I remember that... I had body makeup put on, and I suppose anybody with nude scenes had body makeup, makeup in that film. So, and there was a male, there's a male makeup man who did my body makeup, and I'm sort of standing there in the bedroom, in fact, having makeup put on uh, all over me. And um, I think that's a bit weird because, first of all, I can't see why you would need makeup all over you, and also it does seem just a bit odd. Are you sure he was officially there? Yeah, <laughs> just wandered no, into the set. There. It was a closed set. Very, very few people there. I mean, he would have come in, done the makeup and, and gone out again, as far as I remember anyway, unless it was done somewhere else. But I think he came in and did that and went out again. It's, it's interesting that they, they probably wouldn't do that now, would they? Just to be on the safe side. Yeah, because you could they, turn yeah. around and say later on, yeah, all sorts of things. He didn't look like Sid James by any chance, did he? <laughs> no. No. no, very, very nice. Actually, they always did have in a closed set. They would have always had a makeup and hair person there as well. There's, it would be it's a skeleton crew and a makeup and hair person there. So he would have been there, in fact. I um I sometimes wish that I had that in real life. Someone that followed me about and when my hair looks stupid, <laughs> tidies it for me. Well, I suppose I got my wife. Rushes she does up. That. Yeah, yeah, rush. Because that that would be nice, wouldn't it? You know, you've got. They rush up and touch up your makeup and do your hair. That would be lovely. So what you're saying is occasionally, Ian, you're up for a bit of a touch up. Oh, always, mate. Always. Down <laughs> <laughs> now, boys. Come on. Yeah, sorry, we're calming down. Yeah, we're um, calming down. So in this scene at the end, you're clearly bitten. You've got the, you, yes. you know, the fantastically fluorescent red blood on your neck. That's but we I don't can't understand why they would cut it because yeah. it seems to me quite a crucial little yeah. scene, and it shows. It, it's also sort of very much a lesbian screen, which they really wanted to have, I think, in that. Film. Yeah, yeah. Pippa yeah. in, the... in the water with Yutta and 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 me with with Yutta on the bed. I think they really wanted the lesbian stuff. So. Because it, it, it's the scene where um, where Lestrange, he realises that this is all true in it. Because, yeah, because you've been vampirised. Without that, it it doesn't make a lot of sense. No, no. no. Yeah. Uh, they must have cut it for for, a, yeah. for America, I think, only. Now, I don't like to cast dispersions on American, America, they, but they still are much more uh, um, um, prudish, I think. Prudish, yeah. Yeah. They, they still are, and certainly yes. were then. So they probably would have left those sort of things out for the American market, I should think. Mm. Mm. The only reason, and quite the opposite, obviously, for the the Scandinavians and yeah. the, um, put, Japanese. Put more in, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, the Japanese very much liked um, more uh, horror and gore, didn't they? Yes. With yeah. the hammers. They, they wanted more blood. Um, they did. Yeah. 
more, a little bit more violence, and yes. the Scandinavians just wanted more sex. Yes. Of course, in, in Scandinavia and and in Germany and in uh, is people were very very happy to do um to do nudes to do to, to share saunas in everyday yeah. life. Mm. Uh, yeah, I remember going to skiing and in actually in Germany with with some German people when I was very young. Um, I was married, but I was very young, uh, and they wanted us all to go into the sauna. I'm just doing the interview. <laughs> with that clothes on, and I didn't want to do that. I wasn't going to do that in my private life, so that's quite odd. I didn't mind if I got paid, but I wasn't about to do it in my private life. Okay. Um, my my point about this, you know, seeing you, you, you know, clearly with blood on your neck and your two two uh, holes in your neck is. Um, yeah, you've been bitten, but we never see you die. So is there a chance that you could still be running around the forest still as a vampire? Oh, definitely. <laughs> well, there you go. We got That's a nice sequel thing. then. Yeah. Um, talk, talking of different different markets and European now, um, did, did Yuta know that she was going to be dubbed while you were making it? I don't know. I don't know. I, that's a very odd thing. Oh, she possibly mm. did because she was, um, she did have a strong accent. But but what is very very odd is that they um, dubbed uh, in most of the leading ladies, whoever they were, regardless of, of of whether they needed it or not. And a lot of them didn't need it. They uh, you know they just didn't need it. Um, they, they, it was a, something that they did. It is a strange thing to do, isn't it? They obviously yeah. thought, yeah, she didn't have something. Yeah, but if if you don't need to do it, don't do it. I mean, if if Hammer was as cash as strapped as they are, that would mean paying another voice artist to do yes. it. You know, I, I no, I don't see the point in that. No, they did it with that that wonderful Polish main the main Polish actress of Hammer previously, who who was Mikhaila originally. Whose name I've forgotten, but she's you know who she is. She's very very famous. Oh, you're oh, uh, like, Ingrid Pitt. Ingrid yeah. Pitt was dubbed, yes. and she had yeah. the most wonderful voice. She had the most wonderful voice for the parts that she was playing. She had this sort of husky Eastern European voice. Would have been brilliant, and, and they gave her some sort of a, a sort of um, public schoolgirl a voice like mine, really, rather than than her her beautiful voice. There was a woman who did nearly all the dubbing. Um, and she she was always called in to do the dubbing, and she was very versatile with her voice. She but she got into great trouble with the Daily Mail quite recently, in the last sort of twenty years or less, um, because she was she was she went to an event, a signing event at Westminster, and she started telling everybody that she that she she dubbed Ingrid Pitt and she dubbed Caroline Monroe and she dubbed various other people, and um, and she was actually sacked from the event because they didn't oh. you know, people didn't want to sit in it. Some of these actresses did not want it known that they were dubbed. <laughs> and uh, and she was she was sacked. And so she when I say when she, I mean, then it was in the, all in the Daily Mail how she'd been. She went to the Daily Mail and, and uh, I think it's the Daily Mail. Yeah. And said, you know, she'd been sacked because she had told them she told them how to uh, they, that she dubbed all these wonderful actresses. It was completely and utterly unnecessary. And strangely enough, when you get to the next film, Twins of Evil, and w which is notorious for having dubbed those two. Um, yeah. But they didn't. According, I was on the stage in Westminster again with John Huff and with uh, Mary Collinson. 
And when somebody asked the question about the dubbing, John Huff said they were never dubbed. That was their voices. So oh. that is quite interesting. That is really interesting. Because yeah. They did have accents. And I think you can pick up their accents a little bit in it. Now, I know, you know, now, you know, they're not they weren't dubbed. But it's a bit of a mystery that because everybody goes around saying they were dubbed. Because, uh, yeah, I, I watched that yesterday as well. And it, they certainly appeared dubbed. But they, I suppose it could be that they perhaps they just looped their dialogue afterwards. So they yeah. were dubbed, but with their own voices. Yeah, could be that. Because there's definitely there's something up with the lip movement. But I, it, it is strange because if there's any part where you would want someone with a lovely European accent, it's as a rein, reincarnated Karnstein vampire, surely. Yeah. <laughs> it sort of makes sense. Definitely. Definitely. And especially with somebody like Ingrid Pitt, who's a superb yeah. actress, but also had that wonderful voice. Yes. I mean, got, he, you know, voice. A real sort of a horror voice. And, and they gave her some sort of public schoolgirl voice. I, I wonder if it was that was for the American market as well. Perhaps they because they, they tend to want everyone to have like received pronunciation, don't they? Yes, yes, for American yes, research. I wonder if that might have been it. Yeah. I think that's probably right. That's probably right. It's sort of universal and the same voice, in fact. Yeah. They did also do it with with English actresses, which is very strange. Very strange. Who had who could who could actually act as well? Because yeah, because if if they wanted a particular accent, they could have just asked the actress, and I'm sure yeah. they could have done a, a you know a good accent or a, you know a, a neutral accent. Yeah, it's weird, Eric. You're right. Why would they pay the extra? It's a, it's, a, it's one of those mysteries we'll never get to the bottom of. No. No. Also, in the IMDb, in the in the list, in the cast list, the, the um, voiceover, the voice person is often credited. Yeah. Uh, which is which is sort of again for actresses that are still alive, quite insulting. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Agree. Very very good actresses. Yeah. I think I think I think Valerie Leon was was dubbed from time to time and she's a fine actress i mean i've seen her do a, a one-woman show and she is she's fantastic and so is caroline they they're just really really good that's why they've done so well mm. and, and quite and quite often next to their names it says voiced by no that's <laughs> not, no that's not on no all right before we leave um um lust for a vampire move to twins of evil um Final thing, what were your thoughts on Mike Raven? Because a lot of people, that's the main problem they have with this film, is Mike Raven. Yes. Um, yes. I'm, I, am ve- I am confused here. To, no, I would have done this first with him. And I, didn't, I don't remember even meeting him in, in, in Lust for Vampire. I don't remember him at all. But he he was desperate to be in a horror film. He was desperate. And of course, he he never mind having his voice dubbed. He had his voice dubbed, as you know, and he had his eyes dubbed. Yes. <laughs> Which is amazing. He's, That's a claim to fame. I did, I, did a much, I did a much more familiar film with him. I did a much bigger part in Crucible of Terror. And he yes. was the lead man in that. And I therefore, because we were all uh, working down in Cornwall and all quite close together, I got to know him quite well. I got to, we all got to know each other very well. And um, he was fair. He was, um, he was not good enough, really. That's all I can say. That's, he just. No, I don't. I don't think he was an actor, was he? <laughs> to be fair. Well, at the he time, was, he was a Radio yeah, One yeah, DJ, he was, wasn't yeah. he? Can, he can was. you imagine though, if um, if they'd got the wrong Radio One DJ? 
These films oh, might Tony be banned Bateman. by now. Oh, what? You mean Jimmy Savile? Yeah. Well, oh, my God. <laughs> who, who would ever believe Jimmy Savile was a gangrenous vampire? Mm. No. Yeah. <laughs> I, do you know what? I, I, I'm going to go out on a limb here and I, I'm going to say I found his performance very enjoyable, but possibly not in the way that he imagined. No. I, yeah, what, I, Mike, 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 yeah, Mike's in 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 um in lust for a vampire. Yeah, I, I mean, it's obviously they've told him do do a Christopher Lee, but he 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 looks good. He looks good, but yeah, it's uh, it's quite an amusing performance. Yeah, I'm not, I don't think you have any scenes together, do you? That's, no, I never met oh, him. I don't what... think I ever met him. I may, may have seen him around a bit, you know, but. He never crossed my consciousness in Lust for Vampire. And I seem to remember when I did that other film with him a couple of years later, I don't think we ever discussed it. You can never remember, you know, such a long time ago, you might have had a casual conversation about it, but I can't remember. He did certainly, I think, Ian, what you're saying is he looked the part, didn't he? He Yes. He has that wonderful hair, which was natural, in fact, a sort of widow's peak. And he, you know, has the stature, but he just is not an actor. And, to, no. and the trouble with with him with him is he had no sort of hinterland that if you know every, if you're an actor you have you have a sense of humor and he had no sense of humor oh, right. you know you couldn't you, you the the other actors all had sense of humor so did jimmy sangster there was a lot of fun in that set everybody making jokes and he would have stood out like a sore thumb because he didn't get humor really okay all right, well, this is where we say goodbye to Lust for a Vampire and move on to Twins of Evil. At some point in the, just somewhere in this audio track, I'm going to cut this because this uh, interview with you, Judy, is going to be in two episodes of our show. All right, so we're saying bye-bye to Lust for a Vampire and we're going to say hello to Twins of Evil, right? Right. So many thanks to Judy. Um, we had a lovely time having a, oh, a talk and a big chit-chat. laugh with her she's she, she's always game for a laugh isn't she and she she's, gets our humor as well yeah. yeah yeah we we generally don't have to uh think about that we might be upsetting our guest no no which we have had a couple of times yeah but no now, with judy but, she's yeah. always reliable always good fun and always very very entertaining so thanks and again very judy. knowledgeable yeah her, yeah her knowledge of her work is um, outstanding yeah yeah so, all right, so now we will turn our attention to, to the, the film. film. Yes, the um, film just then, we were saying about, you know, Hammer never did team-ups and stuff like that, right? No. And I was thinking the other day, something we could try to, try to do over the history of this podcast is try and imagine that you've got a Hammer universe, right? Yes. That all the stories that happen in the Hammer films are all on... In on one planet Earth, right? So it's difficult because yeah, fairly but we'll try it. We'll try. It. Yeah. You know how once upon a time before we gave up on the idea on on Doctor Who adversaries is try and chart every time the Doctor oh, God, came, yeah. came where he Earth, where yeah. he was on Earth and what year he was on Earth. Yeah, Do you remember? And then we gave up because it was just <laughs> such. Well, we got- we got to any time in the seventies and eighties, and it just became an absolute nightmare, didn't it? So. Yeah. My, my my reason for this is yeah. like, and I, you, you just mentioned it there. It could be difficult because I don't know where this film is set. No, well, I know when it's set. Yeah, they we've got a date. Eighteen thirty, don't they? But but Giles Barton in the film talks about you know the 
Black Death ravaged Syria. So is this Syria? No, it certainly doesn't look like Syria. It doesn't look like Syria. No, this is this is um, cod Europe, isn't it? Uh, sort of around the Carpathians type thing. But ev- trouble is, everyone's everyone's British. Yeah, and it looks like Britain. Um, yeah, I, I wouldn't. Have, I wouldn't have thought this was meant to be Syria. The Countess yeah. pops in at one point. She says yeah. she's on her way to Vienna. Yeah. So, so she's she's t- traveling by horse and carriage to Vienna. Yeah. So it could be that you know that, that it's got to be somewhere around that somewhere area. Around, yes, yeah, somewhere within within cart distance of Vienna. Yeah. So yeah, so we say so yeah. Let's let's say it's somewhere somewhere around there. At, you know, I'm, to be fair, I'm not entirely sure where Vienna is. Vienna, in it's in Austria, isn't it? Is so, it Austria? Okay. So, so let's say this is Austria then, shall we'll say we? It's Austria, yeah. Yeah, I mean, we're we're open to correction, but let's say Austria. I've no idea what time period this is. Oh, oh no, yes, oh, eighteen thirty. Yeah, eighteen thirty. Yes. yes. Yeah. So it's eighteen thirty Austria, although we yeah, don't so know this quite is, where. This is pre Dracula, because that was eighteen ninety something, wasn't it? Yeah. When Dracula happened. So this is pre-Dracula. But I don't know how the Karnsteins fit in. Are they a disciple of Dracula? Dracula Are they a, a branch of, of Dracula? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I'm not sure because they mention, I'm presuming vampire lovers because they say we haven't heard from the Karnsteins in 40 years or mm. 30 years or whatever. So I'm imagining... Vampire lovers is 40 vampire years lovers. before that. Yeah. Yeah. Or 80 years, because it's every 40 years, isn't it? Every 40 years, yeah. We'll have to wait and see just what the technology is like in Vampire Lovers to decide yes. if it's 40 before. Because that, that would put it at 1790, wouldn't it, the Vampire yes. Lovers? Yeah, when when was it the vogue in Europe to flounce about in a diaphanous gown and a hooded cloak? Well, I still do it now. Yeah. Well, that's, yeah. so, that's fair enough. Um, <laughs> Many yeah, a I'm summer's not, evening yeah. you'll find me prancing around the village yeah, green yeah. doing that. Yeah, what what you do in your own back garden? Well, I'm on the village green, mate. Oh, dear. Oh. So, all right, we've got this establishing shot. It, it's yep. a real castle on a hill. Um, and, uh, you know, the title, Lust for a Vampire, comes up. And we cut to the uh, one of Hammer's uh, courtyards <laughs> where you don't believe for one second that that is out, actually out of doors. No, it's um, very set-like, isn't it? Yeah, so, and that's it's a, one of their traditional inns. Yeah, and it's a bugbear of Jimmy Sangster's is that um, that everywhere's really clean. You know, yeah. at that time you would have had horse shit everywhere. He said once. Yeah. You know, um, yeah, it's one of their traditional inns, and there we've got old Christopher Neem. Yeah, it's nice to see. Him. I thought he might play a bigger part. But no, he's very much a cough and a spit. I think he gets one line here. No, he? He, he, of course, he'll come back for Dracula AD 1972, yes. where he's the disciple of Dracula's, and he gets far more. And there he is canoodling with Kirsten Lindholm, um, the source of many a bit of boobage in the Hammer films. Yes. And it happens here, doesn't it? Because yeah. off, off she goes across the fields, uh, dumplings bobbing up and down. Yeah. Um, this is ridiculous, this first shot. She's crossing across the fields. She's got to go yeah. home to her dad. She's walking across the field, watched in plain view by someone in a big black cloak, and she doesn't yeah. spot them. No. Well, I, I wondered watching this whether this was meant to be day for night, and they just didn't bother. 
Well, so uh, I'm not sure what I'm not sure why what the vampires are doing out in the day, but then it's never really specified that they'll burn up in this one. But we don't. We find out, you know, that the person in the black cloak. We find out at the very end because her face is hidden and she's got like a, a, a red dress on with a red yeah. amulet. But that's the countess, isn't it? It is, yes. Who we see in broad daylight, you yeah. know, arriving at the school with her, you know, niece. Um, so that countess is not a vampire. But the the the, uh, the the coachman is. At the end, he is. Yeah. Oh, do you think he's not a vampire at this point? No. But see, isn't the... she? Isn't she a reincarnation of one of the Karnsteins, or is she? Well, she's got a different surname to that. Right. But but Mike Raven coming up, he yeah. is Count Karnstein. But you see him in the daylight all the time. But at the yeah. end, he says flames won't hurt us. So I think no. what happens is they 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 reanimate Camilla into Mikala, who is a vampire, and then she turns them and the coachman. Oh right, I that's what I think. Although we never see any of this, Although, do we? To be fair, if they are strictly going with with uh, you know the, the Camilla, the novel, uh, and even Dracula. They were right in daylight. They just haven't got their vampy powers. Yeah, you know, it was it was a it was a Nosferatu, wasn't it? Yes, yes. Yeah. Sunlight. Who said um, that? Yeah, yeah. So so I'm 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 okay if they uh, yeah they were right. right. I mean, it doesn't say much for it doesn't cover up that yeah she's got no peripheral vision, none whatsoever. Because no. you you've got this woman in a black cape watching her, and then we find out she's standing next to a horse and carriage. Yes. and Kirsten still hasn't seen it. Yeah. Uh, and uh, her mother obviously never told her about getting a lift from a stranger, did she? I, I always forget in this film, I mean, it is a cliche of Hammer that, um, you know, uh, a beautiful girl will meet yeah. somebody. We don't see that person. They become all in, entranced by that person. And then, you know, the, the, the look of entrancement turns to horror yeah, and they horror, scream. Yeah. And I thought it was just at the beginning with old Kirsten here. But it's it happens quite a few times in this film, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah, I think it's um, it probably harkens back to that 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 vampires would uh, would almost mesmerise you just before killing you, wouldn't they? And then you at the last minute you go, oh shit. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they, they, a lot of Hammer films in this one, especially, it's a bit like James Bond, isn't it? The 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 first sequence before we introduce to our air quotes hero. Not necessarily connected to the rest of the film. We used to get a lot in the Draculas, didn't we, where you'd get a killing before the titles. It's yeah. like, who's doing that? Dracula's not back yet. Um, and I got the feeling with this, it's just, it's like, we in the first five minutes, we want some bouncy boobs. Yeah. We want Tick. a good-looking girl. Tick. Uh, and we want to know that there's a vampire on the loose. Yeah. Tick. Yeah. So it, it does everything it needs, but it doesn't really add much to the story. No. Um well, her because blood, late, late, her blood yeah. is necessary to resurrect Camilla. Resurrect Camilla, yeah. So they 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 take her to meet um, top DJ Mike Raven, who uh, I I quite enjoy in this film, but he's not very good. I mean, Jimmy Sangster moaning about uh, Yutta. What was his views on Mike? Yeah. I mean, you know, um, you you said in that interview with Judy how you view *Lust for a Vampire* as a fairy tale. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's um, exactly and it is. It is yeah. it, 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 it's miles away from the more you know uh, serious films that Hammer did, the more um, 
horrific films they did. And yeah, I, I mean, you can look upon you, you know these more lightweight stories as versions of fairy tales. Yeah, it's a Grimm's fairy tale, isn't it? It's and Mike Raven fits right in there. I mean, he he's perfect, absolutely yeah. not on the same caliber as Peter Cushing and Christopher Lee. No. Uh, but he looks the part for this style of film. Can you imagine if Mike Raven was in the first Dracula and that was uh, the Dracula yeah, we got, you know? It would not work. I've, I, I've, I've sort of, after Judy mentioned, I tracked down um, a couple of films that Mike Raven did. Very, very uber low budget schlock. And bless him, he's trying his best, but he's no actor. He's no actor, is he? No. Um, um, I was I'm glad they cut all his lines. Oh, no, they dubbed all his they lines dubbed with him. Valentine Dial. Yeah. He's a much better actor. I'm surprised that Judy said that that was his own hair because I would have said that was a wig. I thought it would have been a wig, but unless he was one of those DJs that treated a wig as his own hair. But this yeah. th- this is 1830. My question yeah. about old uh, Count Karnstein here is, yeah. uh, where is he getting his hairspray from? Because you can't naturally have your hair that bouffanted back like that. No. Um, my my other thing with uh, with vampires, Dracula as well, is um, how do they keep their hair so neat they can't see in the mirror? Yeah. How, how, do, how, how yeah. does he shave? Yeah, I, don't, I, I, don't know. I always wondered how Superman shaved, to be fair. But. Do you know how Superman shaves? I imagine. Does he use his laser eyes or something? No, no, no. It, it, it's, uh, John Byrne explained it away. He does use his laser eyes. John Byrne explained it away in the 1980s. He, uh, he has a piece of the spacecraft that he crashed to Earth in, a very reflective right. part, as a mir- mirror, and he uses his heat vision. It bounces off of the mirror, and then he burns his oh, stuff right. off. Oh, so, so Superman uses electrolysis. You heard yeah. it here, folks. Yeah, basically. What, yeah, yeah. What, what a scoop. Um, yeah, I, I don't know where he gets his hair from. I, I love it that I didn't know at the time that this was the case, but in my notes I put, "Oh, those Chris Lee's eyes." Yes, and they yeah, are. They are. Yeah, yeah. He, he's what? infamous yeah. that his eyes, are, his eyes can't act, so they've got to use yeah. Christopher Lee's. What um, was it uh, Judy said? His eyes were dubbed. His eyes <laughs> I think were that's dubbed. brilliant. Um, um, I wonder what did you think they shot him with his eyes, and then in the in the dailies they went, "Oh God, it's not working." Think, yeah, well, what was he doing? Like waggling his eyebrows. Do you think anyone who was a Hammer fan back then spotted that? Oh, that's been taken out of the Dracula oh, film. Dot dot dot. I mean, it would have been slightly different that you there was no home media, so you wouldn't have. You wouldn't have uh, repeatedly seen Dracula, but they're so obviously Christopher Lee's eyes. Yes, yeah, um, yeah. It is, uh, it is hilarious that. But yeah, they. Um, I suppose back to the plot. They uh, they use this buxom wench, um, who later we find out is virgin. Mm. I find that hard to believe. <laughs> Rusty farm girl. young virgin as well. Yeah, young virgin. Yeah, they make it quite clear that they only want young virgins. Yeah, no hope for us. Either. No. <laughs> um, but they, uh, yeah, they, 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 um, they use her blood again. Lovely hammer, syrupy blood is nothing like real blood, is it? And no. that that goes into a sarcophagus, and that re- uh, there's a, uh, a very nice, it's a really good sequence actually. Really nice. I like the skeleton sequence. when we yeah. first see yeah, it, the yeah, desiccated a, skeleton. Yeah, there's an old skeleton in there, and the blood revives it, and it's really nicely done. Um, and then something sits up 
Yes. Dun, dun, dun. And anyone that's seen any of the Alan Frank books. Yeah. Watch you know the, the. Yeah. Yeah. It sits up with its back to us. We know yeah. the front shot, though, don't we? We do, yeah. That yeah. is proper full frontal. It's like, ah, oh, no front shot. Never yeah. We um, didn't say, but yeah, this uh, he, he he's making a plea to the devil, isn't he, to, to summon yes. up. And yeah, he's dubbed, but it's obvious that Mike Raven's got a lisp. You can see he's got a lisp. Yeah. Um, I, Perhaps that's why they dubbed him Lucifer. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Um, where's the light inside the coffin coming from during this thing? Ah, uh, I don't know. Unholy light. I like the way they put a Perhaps sheet a over the skeleton. You can get yeah. round it. It's a fridge yeah. what laid on its back. Yeah, it's, it's, it was the yeldy milk cupboard. Hmm. Have um, you ever opened a coffin? Have I how ever opened know? a coffin? How do you know there's not a light in it? Uh, true, true. Um, so, cut back to the inn, and there's, yeah, as you say, our supposed hero, Richard Lestrange. Yes. Having a drink. And yet again, we should have a trope. All right, official, I'm going to write it down. A new trope, uh, uh, innkeepers being warning. Yeah, I'll, I'll yeah the, the innkeeper's warning. Because even if it's not Surly an innkeeper, innkeeper. You, you always, I mean, you did in, right up to like Friday the 13th, didn't you? You had uh, Ralph, Crazy Ralph. You always get this character who's basically a uh, uh, private Fraser from Dad's Army that says, we're doomed. Yep. Um, and this is a classic one. I love it where he goes, um, uh, he says, uh, young girls don't talk to strangers in these parts. These are not normal times, sir, yeah, he goes. Yeah, not normal times. But they, they all, pretty much everyone, all the, all the villagers, all the locals, believe yeah. in this thing, that every yeah. 40 years the Karnsteins come back, and it's 40 yeah. years since the last time. Yet old Kirsten wanders off back home alone. Yeah, well, it, it, it's weird this, because... Unlike a lot of these films, everyone knows that these are vampires, that they've come back, that they're real, and yet we still get the tropes of no one really believes it. Mm. But beforehand, everyone did believe it. And wouldn't you... I'd love to see a, a film like this where, rather than trying to say it in the real world, try, try and use a bit of logic. Like, what would a village look like that every 40 years, vampires emerge? You would... You would have a fortified village. You would be great. You would Do move the village away. You oh, are yeah, at you the bottom move, of a yeah. hill where the where the Karnstein's yeah. castle is. Move we the destroy village. Destroy the castle. Now we'll wait till they come back. Yeah. Yeah. You've um, had forty but, years to do something. But you would at least drill it into your kids. You know, because it's not like it's not like these kids are on the internet. Whatever you teach them, this is how religions bloody spring up, isn't it? Whatever your parents teach you as a kid in a young village, you're going to believe, you know. And um, it's the only bit I quite like at the beginning of um, M. Night Shyamalan's The Village is the fact that everyone buys into it. I mean, it's a stupid mm. bloody film, but everyone buys into it that this, this, these creatures exist and happen. And everyone, and this is what this should have been like. Yeah, she should not have been flouncing about without a bra on in a field. <laughs> um, now... Richard Lestrange, right? Yes. I don't like him. I like the actor, but this is a creep no, of a character. This is this is what I was also saying with um, with Judy that to me he's about ten years past where this wouldn't be creepy. This is we're really into uh, 
you know, Jack and all the buses and Sid James territory, is he is an absolute lech. Oh, he's terrible. He's a, an awful person, but and he's too old for it. If he was sort of your, your Robin Asquith age, you could go, okay, he's, he's travelling Europe, sowing his wild oats, visiting all the... And it's like, you almost, you shouldn't, but you almost go, that's understandable. But this guy, he's a novelist. Yeah, he's there for inspiration yeah. for his horror novels, yeah. isn't he? And everything that he does, before he gets enamoured with uh, Mia Kala, who you could at least then go, okay, he's been glamoured. Mm. But everything he does beforehand, he does because he wants to, he wants to shtup a 19-year-old virgin. Mm. It's just, yeah, it's so, it's so not right by any standard, this guy. Yep. Um, he's a, no, I don't like him. Yeah. He, he's far too up himself. He, he pays no heed whatsoever yeah. and decides, I'm going to go up to the castle because I'm not a young virgin, so I'll be all right. Yeah. And up he yeah. goes and, yep, there he meets uh, Judy and her chums. Well, um, because he's also, he's not only... He's not only sort of um, dismissive, he's arrogant with it, and he thinks these are idiot um, villagers. Yeah, yokels, uneducated. And he's a he's a clever writer, so he doesn't apply to him. And he's taking the piss out of him there. But then he goes up there and he meets uh, he meets the three uh, young girls, and he's immediately shitting himself. Yeah. Are we as an audience meant to believe that they are vampires? Yes, 100%. Hundred percent, you're meant to go. Oh, vampire! He's, he'll be gone. He's not the hero. Um, and part of me wished it had been that he was just another throwaway. And then we cut back to Chris Neem, yeah, and he's the hero. But yeah, it, it turns out it's a it's a a very very strange bluff on the audience, isn't it? That these aren't vampires. These are not the brides of Dracula, as you you surmised correctly. But that's what they're going for. Yeah. They want the audience to go. Oh, he's meant all at the vampires. Um, but no, it's just it's just three girls, three schoolgirls, yeah, messing around, messing around, having a bit of a prank, and yeah, the the spell is broken by their teacher Giles Barton turning up. Yes, who I think fits. I think Ralph Bates is really good in this, and I think he fits well. But I, I'm I'm with Jimmy Sanchez. I can't see Christopher uh, Peter Cushing playing this part. No, no, it it, it, it would yeah. make it even creepier. It would just be weird. Wouldn't I've it? never, I've never seen, I've never seen Peter Cushing playing a part of the lech. No. Um, I just, he's too nice. I wouldn't believe it. He, he, he's being bad guys, you know. Yeah, yeah, no, he plays villain, great, but, but I, this sort of lechy, you know, stand from on the buses, Sid from, carry on. I just can't imagine. I, I could see Sid James playing it. Yeah. You know. I, I, I like Ralph's portrayal of Giles Barton. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's I think he's, he's actually, I don't know if it was his idea, but he seems to be playing his part, not only to the script, but the way he looks. Because that yeah. side parting and those glasses, I think that's enhancing what he's doing. He's an utter creep. Um, which... Which raises the question, how did he get a job at a girls' school? Well, I mean, we later find out that the uh, the headmistress uh, is reckless to the point of she should be certified. 
because um, someone gets murdered on the thing and she goes, Ooh, let's not tell anyone. Yeah, I, I, I could quite see uh, that headmistress. This guy, can you imagine? It's like, you've got a school full of, or you're setting up a school full of um, very desirable young ladies uh, who know nothing about the world, very vulnerable, um, and this guy turns up to go, I'll, I'll teach him. You, you would run a mile, wouldn't you? Yeah, yeah. But I could see the headmistress going, yeah, it seems all right. His reference from uh, from his last place was okay. Mm, yeah. He, when, when they're walking to the school, he asks, um, you know, uh, Richard, are you one of the Lestranges of Cork? Yes. And I'm sure that's Tudor, Tudor Gates doing a connection to Sheridan Le Fanu, you know, the writer of Camilla, right. because okay, he yeah. was Irish. You know, Le Fanu, Le Strange, you know? Yeah, yeah, no, that, it, you're, you're probably right. Because it is a, a well, <laughs> literally a strange name, isn't it? Hmm. Le Strange. It's interesting that um, this uh, this pulled a Stephen King by making the lead character a writer before Stephen King did. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, yeah, as they're walking along, you know, Giles says he's researching the Karnsteins. What a fascinating family they are. You know, the castle's up there. Um, and he, he's at this finishing school. He's the teacher of history and art. Yes. And that's when we see the school for the first time, this magnificent building oh, in all its gra- grounds. Building, yeah. yeah. Judy says it's a hotel now, and I can quite believe it. And I bet it's yeah. a blooming um, expensive, expensive one. Expensive one, yeah. Yeah, and we see the girls um, yep. in their... Doing g- a gym class. Gym class is this Greek dancing. Yeah, I don't remember my gym classes at school. I don't remember PE doing this. No, no. Perhaps I went to the wrong sort of school. Yeah, and and there's the uh, sports teacher, Miss Miss Playfair, played by the wonderful Susanna Lee. Yeah, she's I, good, really good in this. I've, very, very believable. I've always yeah, yeah. had a thing for Susanna Lee because not only is she, you know, stunningly beautiful, she's a bloody good actress Yeah, yeah. as and well. She's, she's one of those actresses where even when she's delivering utter crap dialogue, she's 100% believable. Yeah. You go, oh, yeah, she's brilliant. She's very naturalistic. Yeah, really, really good. Really good actress. It's nice to see her in this. Is this film a no-bra zone film because well I, technically she, that's correct that she's bras, clearly not wearing a bra oh Susanna no but that, that you wouldn't have had bras back then would you? what in Greek times well in uh, 1830 oh I, I suppose mean, yeah, yeah yeah when was the bra, bra invented invented cool you do do some google strange google 1914 the first bra ah there you go so there you go okay that's so the I think we can question. yeah we can uh, we can allow them that. That's historically accurate. I'm sure that's what they went with. Yeah. Yeah. Now, and they would explain it to the actress. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we're being historic, honest. Yeah. Yeah. So in quick succession, we learn they've only been there three weeks in this finishing yes. school. Yeah. We meet the wonderful Miss Simpson, the head teacher. Yes. I, I, I like watching this shot, film and yeah. watching her disintegrating and crumbling. Yeah. Because I don't think she's quite there to begin with. Um, no, and I, th- I think she's in over her head on this. They said to her, could you run a, a finishing school? Yeah, 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 I could do that. And I think even without the vampires, a week down the road and the building would be on fire Yeah, and all the girls would be pregnant. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, uh, yeah, we get that. We get Miss Simpson. We get the new pe- uh, pupil, uh, Mia Carla, arrives. Mia Carla, yes. We, we get to meet uh, Yutta. 
Yuta. Who is, is incredibly beautiful. Yes, yes. Um, and Richard thinks so. It's love at first sight, yeah. isn't it? That comes. That doesn't come across, I think, as pure and innocent as it's meant to. No. All this nice music. And he's, he looks like he's leering at her. I was surprised later on when he goes, no, it's love. I've loved you since... I thought, that wasn't love. I think, I think we're back into the lust again. It's lust. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, we've got the bedtime scene that we talked yes. about with Judy next. Yeah. Um which, as I say in that, you know, um, I, I remember you, it playing um, out a certain way on the Blu-ray. Yeah. That there's, there's more boobage. More boobage. Did you, um, have you asked your missus when she was at school uh, on a field trip, is this what girls do? No, I don't. Yeah. I do not think so. Uh, Susanna Lee, um, you know, I saw an interview with her when, yeah. you know, she went onto the set and suddenly all these girls are, you know, topless. And she goes up to Jimmy Sankster and she's there. Oh, my God, Jimmy, I can't do this. What is this? This isn't what I yeah. signed what on for. What type of film are you making? And he said, no, don't worry, dear. This is the Continental version. Yeah. So, so yeah, I mean, that's what we've got on the UK Blu-ray yeah. is it, the Continental version. Exactly. And it's... From a filmmaking point of view, it's quite clever because it's a little self-contained part that you can easily cut out for more uh, prudish markets, um, but put it in for the, the markets that want it. So it is very self-contained. It's just hilariously, you know, the in um, when Monty Python were doing Scott of the Sahara yeah. and, and she runs across the beach and accidentally gets her dress caught on a cactus in the Sahara. Um, it's like that, isn't it? It's, it's so blatant that it's like, time for some TNA. And it is so tame now, isn't oh, yeah, it? It's, I mean, you see worse on bloody, um, you know, on, anywhere now, isn't it? On yeah. beaches and stuff. Yeah, it's so tame, but I imagine at the time, you, could, you would have heard some rustling in a cinema. You would have had the Dirty Mac Brigade, yeah. wouldn't you? Yeah. Um, all this is happening while Richard's down the pub bragging, yes, bragging about yep. what, what, what these uh, um, other women scared him. Um, and uh, while he's bragging, uh, as, as I say, the whole village knows not to go out if you're a young woman, not to go out alone. And the girl goes out to feed the dog. At the back of the inn. Yes. And she gets got. She gets got quick, don't she? They didn't, I mean quick. They, whoever vamped her didn't have time to go so, so much. this is the question. Who 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 did that? Well, I if if you're right and the the Baroness isn't a vampire. But she might be own, now though. She might be now. Suppose, yeah. Been, yeah, because old Kirsten at the beginning her throat was slit. She she didn't yes. have a neck bit. This is no, the first true. neck bite of the film, yeah. and it seems Mia Carla has been yeah, resurrected. Yeah, I think it's got to be Mia Carla then has killed her. Right. Um, yeah, because yeah, so, the same night, that's the same night Pippa still yeah. goes for a, a nudie yeah. swim. As you do. Yeah, as you do. With Mia Carla, she, she joins in, and they have a snog in the water. I guess, again, that would have been quite this racy. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think then. Judy mentioned one that they... This this was a key scene to because they wanted to have a a lesbian angle uh, yeah because this this was sort of newish wasn't it for Hammer yeah um, le- lesbianism was in um, I I'm worried because I don't know about you have you ever been uh, a lesbian or have you you might have been a lesbian I, I don't judge you what I love women. women that's true well yeah there you go I think I'm a lesbian, a lesbian. <laughs> yeah you wear comfortable shoes don't you? I do. 
Yeah. Um, got boobs. You got boobs. Yeah. <laughs> well, we're ticking all the boxes here, right? Um, yeah. River swimming. I, I as a kid, we used to go in Oxford. We used to go down the river and swim. I hated it because a you never knew what was in the river. It might be a big pike or something. But b there was shit at the bottom of the river. Yeah. Shopping trolleys. Yeah. Old bedsteads. Broken and glass. These, these two, they just strip off straight in. So you're not worried about... That must, that must yeah. have been freezing as well. Oh, God, it must have been cold, yeah. Yeah. I look at that now and I just think of Will's disease, you know, this, yeah, yeah, this horrible yeah. stuff. You can go blind from yeah, uh, there, rats urine. There'd, there'd have been rats pissing in that river. Yeah. And it, it, it shows you the different ages, and it? it's like, if we'd have watched this at 18... We'd been watching it going for oh. <laughs> Now we're watching it going. Those those girls are going to get cold and oh, get lines. They're going to get sick. Yeah, 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 yeah. All this and this is a recurrent theme during this film. They're being watched by the man in black. They're being watched yeah. by old Mike. Um, okay, fair enough. He's, he's dressed in black. And it's, it's a bit nighttime. unlikely, isn't it, that a Radio One disc jockey would turn out to be a pervert. I can't imagine it. I can't imagine it. It's a bit of a stretch, isn't it? Very, yeah. very stretch. It shows he was a good actress. Yeah. yeah, he's watching for some reason. And I is he is he like overseeing that that uh, Mia Carla is vamping properly? Yeah, I guess she's new, isn't she? So yeah, he's keeping it, an eye on her. Is it like um interview of a vampire with Louis and whatnot? Uh and he was sort of just to make sure she feeds. But she's already fed. Yeah. You know, she's been down the pub and had a pint. <laughs> hey, he's just a perv. Yeah, he could be just Radio a perv, One DJ. To be fair, yeah. yeah. Question about him: Where's he living? Is he living up in the castle? In the castle, I reckon. Yeah, in his in his uh, well lit fridge sarcophagus. Yeah. Yeah, they've got to be vampires because that if not, what are they eating? You know, where are they getting their food yeah. from? Etc. Cetera, Etc. Cetera. Yeah. Okay. No Uber eats there, isn't yeah. it? So, um, next day, Richard, in the inn, meets the yeah. wonderful Arthur Biggs. I love Arthur this Biggs. actor. He is a fop. Yeah, he always plays the same part, doesn't he? Some stupid fop. Yeah, a chinless fop. Yeah. Um, he's brilliant. But, yeah, and, and again, this shows that uh, that Lestrange is just an awful human being. So, this guy's the new English teacher. Well, well before he divulges that he's the English literature teacher... Richard Lestrange wants nothing to do nothing with him. Nothing to do, yeah. Because he goes, uh, the, the landlord goes, there's another English uh, visitor. And he goes, well, for God's sake, don't put him next to me. Yeah. Yeah, utterly horrible, loathsome person, isn't he? Yeah. But he perks up when he finds out that he's the teacher up at the yeah. girls' school. Because he, his immediate thought is, oh, I can live on the premises. This is really just confessions of a... Of a <laughs> Uh, novelist, isn't it? Or a novelist. But what what happens next? Because we cut to Richard talking to Miss Simpson and saying yeah. about Arthur's leg is broken in three places. So, He's gone to Vienna and he'll be away for four weeks. So has Richard broken Arthur's leg? No, no. Leg? He's, so Richard is... Because um, the fop goes, uh, I'd, love to, I'd love you to read my books. And Richard goes... Oh, perhaps we could actually work together on a book. Yeah, I need some research done in Vienna, so I think he sent he oh. sent poor Mister Biggs off to to research a non-existent book in Vienna, and probably said to him, "I'll I'll tell the headmistress. Don't worry, I'll get that." And then he's told the headmistress, "Oh yeah, he's broken his leg, so he's he's gone." 
for four weeks. For so four is weeks. the intention that, right, while he's away, I can have access to the girls? That's entirely it. I, I can be rogering yep. for four yeah. weeks. <clears throat> yeah, I think so. He could work his way through the whole school in that time, I reckon. He's not very nice, this guy, is he? He is not a nice person. He uh, he, he overvalues himself a bit as well, isn't it? Because his assumption is that they'll, they'll all want to fall for him. Yeah. He has um, one lesson with them, then goes back to Miss Simpson and says, I want to spend more time with the yeah. girls. Give him a bit of private tuition. Yeah. He's just, he's just a horrible creep. He should be on the list. Yeah. And he's I, I love the way he's gutted that he can't, live in the school. He's got to live in this little yeah. cottage with Giles. Yeah, so, oh, I can't live here. I don't want to live with this weird freak, man. I want to, I want to be the dorm buddies. I love yeah, that lovely. cottage. I love the interior it's of that lovely, cottage. Yeah, they, really they, nice they, cottage. They've, they've sat, all the props that are in there are yeah. lovely. Um, and Giles reckons all the legends about the Karnsteins is just gossip. Yes. Well, because um, at the moment, Giles, we don't know, but Giles is He's a, a vampire groupie, isn't he? Mm. So he, I think he's trying to put off. I wonder if his thinking is, uh, I want to put Richard off. Because if they're going to vamp someone, it's going to be the suave writer. Um, so I, I, I wonder if that's the case. But yeah, he's definitely trying to put him off um, uh, 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 of investigating the Karnsteins right. himself. To, and to be fair, at this point, He's got no interest in him, has he, Richard? He, uh, he, he hasn't found out that uh, uh, Mia Carlo is actually a Karnstein. Nope. Um, so, yeah, outside, Pippa's down by the lake again, yep. um, obviously waiting for another snog from Mia Carla, again watched by Mike Raven. Um, and she's got at It's that same thing again. She yeah. sees somebody. I'm presuming that is Mia Carla she sees. Yeah. I mean, and if then, you're going to be ambushed by uh, someone in the bushes, then it's a stingard. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. she looks horrified. I guess the horrified bit is when Mircala bears her fangs. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Um, and, and it's pretty conclusive it's her that's done it because uh, we, we cut to Mircala walking back to the school. Day yes. for night filming, totally. But it is night time. Um, and uh, that Richard's waiting for her, latches onto her, says that he's in love with her. Yes. Yeah, he's he's totally head over heels in love with her, even though he's only spoken to her, you know, a couple of lines. He's known her, what, a day? Yeah. Two days, maybe? Yeah. Um, do you think he's genuinely in love with her, or do you think this is just another trick he's using? No, because, not to be too crude, there are there's lots of other crumpet yeah. in that school and and the lengths he goes to to be with her at the end and and, and thing i think he is in love with yeah. her um so pippa is dumped down the well by giles yes yeah um that's a rubbish slow motion effect of her falling down They're falling it's not good at all but uh, it, it does fit with the uh the fairy tale atmosphere yes yeah. yeah um it makes me wonder why you've got a well with no water in it yeah what's the point yeah, of that you've got a dry um, well. yeah and and any if you had any uh, doubt as to whether Giles isn't a good guy, here's confirmation that he's oh, not yeah, a good yeah. guy. Because you could have, at some point, you you could have had it where it's another double bluff, couldn't you? That he looks evil, he's acting evil, but he's actually a vampire. You yeah. could have gone that way, but no, he's... he's not with that centre-parting. Want... <laughs> no vampire hunter would have a centre-parting. Have you ever had a centre-parting? I would never, ever have a centre-parting, um... especially not like that. 
if I don't comb my hair properly, it does naturally tend to scent apart, but my wife will slap me. <laughs> well, my centre parting is pretty much about above each ear now. I haven't yeah. got much up top. Um, so, yeah, Mirkala tells the staff that Susan's missing. Yeah. And that's when Miss Simpson says, well, we can't have scandals here. Um, if anyone asks where she is, she's in a sanatorium. Yeah. That's nice of her, isn't it? Did that happen a lot? Yeah, did, were people very blasé back then? So, like, well, uh, can I speak to my daughter? Uh, she's at this school. No, she's off in the sanitarium. Is she? Oh, okay. Yeah. I can kind of understand her motivation because she says she's invested all her savings in the school. This is a yeah. nice thing she has with Susanna Lee. Yeah. Um, and she says, I, I can't have scandal. You know, this has got to succeed. You know, I've invested all my money in it. But, but it's a bit heartless to say, uh, no. Um, she's obviously playing around. She'll come back. Anyone asks, we bunged her in a sanatorium. Yeah, you, what you needed to do was have a few scenes that showed that uh, that Pippa was a a bit of a run a naughty offer. girl, a little bit of a naughty girl. Yeah, and she's done this before because mm-hmm. that would because otherwise the headmistress just comes across as as another nasty person in this film. Yeah, yeah. Uh, right, so. We, we cut to Giles Barton and the girls up at the Karnstein Crypt, doing a yep. field trip up there. And they arrive at Camilla's tomb. And we find out there, yep, quite specifically, she was born in 1688 and died in 1710. Probably of the plague which swept Syria at that time. Yeah. But they're not in Syria. Well, no, I don't think so. Well... It doesn't, no, because it doesn't that, look or feel like Syria. That, that, they're, a, they're a carriage ride from Vienna. Yeah. You know, oh, Arthur's gone off there looking for a book for, for Richard. So, yeah, so it's I, a day I or two know. away it's from weird, Vienna. It's a weird, I wonder if it was a holdover line from something else. Or... It could be, because the yeah. script was changed quite a bit, yeah. you know. Um, so, yeah. But, yeah, I mean, it's one of the few times in a Hammer film we get a specific um, date. We do, yes, yeah. They, they usually like to be a bit more uh, circumspect on dates or areas, um, just in case, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I suppose uh, uh, there's the thing. If you say this is set in in Vienna, do you then run the risk that the cinemas in Vienna ain't going to show it because it shows them in bad light? I suppose that you have to think of that. We do get um, we do get Judy's one and only line. Yeah. Fantastic close-up. We get lovely shots of Judy. Yes. Um, and, yeah, they're all speculating. She's got great hair in this as well, isn't she? Really yes, yeah. Very Princess Leo on, uh, on Hoth style of hair. Yeah, I mean, Hammer, Hammer didn't have much money, but, no. you know, Judy was saying in her interview, they looked after them, you know, the food was good, the yeah. makeup people were good, um, you know, the, the, the costumes were, were, were lush, you know, everything looks the part, doesn't it? Well, that's the thing. If you've got... This is where the studio system worked quite well. If you've got people on pay that are good hairdressers, then you're not paying them per job, so they're there anyway. Yeah. Um, so it, it does work out well. So that's that's why hammers tend to look. The costume was great. The makeup was great. The effects were pretty good um, because it was a it was a, a British studio system. At yeah. The time. Yeah. I've just called up Syria. On, on Google Maps, oh, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, from Austria, which we're pretty sure, you know, this film is set, if you wanted to go to Syria, 
from Austria, you have to go through Croatia, Serbia, Bulgaria and Turkey before you reach Syria. So I don't know what this line is. I mean... No, and, it, and it's definitely it's definitely Syria. I wonder if it's a different... Well, maybe it's a different yeah. spelling and it's made yeah, up. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. Maybe it's a made-up country. You know, they do that a lot in... Um, yeah, we had it in well, Dracula, again, because you we? don't, yeah, you don't, um, you don't, bl- you, you're not gonna, you're not gonna annoy a particular country, then, are you? So no, you if you make up. it all up, yeah. and and again, I mean, you know, they call it Middle European, don't they? At the, the Hammer films, I like the idea of this is one massive fairy tale that Hammer films told, and everything's set in one strange European area, yeah. you know. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, but as you say, lovely shots of Judy while the girls are going on about Carmilla could be in an anagram because apparently back then they did that. And, uh, and I, it, it's another Alucard moment, isn't it? Yeah, and uh, yeah, Judy says Mia Carla and all the girls giggle and, and she smiles at uh, uh, Mia Carla, who, who I guess shuts her down because she stops smiling. Yeah, um, yeah and uh, as they all go off, Giles grabs Mikala, grabs her, says he's got, uh, she's got to meet him there that night um, because he knows stuff. And um, yeah, that night, there she is in her long white dress and he makes that mistake of saying he knows who and what she is. Yeah. Yeah, he's, he's twigged, doesn't he? he yeah. Knows. And, um, you know, um, we, we, we have lots of flashbacks to her resurrection, and but this time we get Almost the infamous shots from the yes, Alan Franks books yeah. as she sits up. Is this supposed to be a shock? Are we as an audience meant to think, oh my God, she's the girl that was um, well, in the uh, in the coffin at the beginning? I, I thought this, because realistically, the only reason you don't show something at the beginning of the film and then show it later is that it's meant to be a, a surprise to the audience. But how can it be? Given everything else that's happened and everyone's saying the stuff they're saying, yeah, I, I don't get it. I don't get... No, I doubt anyone in the audience. No. Yeah, yeah. Carla. It's no. not like she's acting completely yeah. the opposite of what. Yeah, I don't I don't get it. And again, uh, unless this was a, uh, you know, a product of the troubled production, perhaps in the original script it was more of a mystery. Mm. Could be. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's, it's no... I don't think anyone's going to go. Uh, oh, blimey! I never saw that coming. I've just, I've just googled. Okay, um, lust for a vampire cinema poster to see if she oh, is okay. actually featured. And there are posters where you can see her, um, but I think they're re-release uh, posters. Oh, um, you've got one with her undressing Richard Lestrange, and it's clearly her. So if that was up on the in the quad frame, as you're going in, um, that wouldn't be a surprise whatsoever. No, it is a weird thing that they're even attempting to to put a mystery on it. Oh, I've just seen something, oh. and I'll put this on Facebook. You know, we said at the beginning, who are these people who, who, who you, you know knock out the pre-production artwork, which James Carreras would then go round and go to all the studios. Do you want to buy one? Do you want to do you want to buy this? It, it was the it's the mighty Tom Chantrell who oh, did the Lust for a Vampire one. Although this is Lust for a Vampire, not to love a vampire. 
And uh, yeah, if you type in "lust for a vampire" cinema poster, I'll put, I'll put this on yeah. on Facebook. You got a green-faced vampire um, who seems to be crying, but in her open mouth, you have a seduction scene where a vampire's biting a bloke. All right. <laughs> so yeah, that's the sort of thing that old uh, Jimmy Boy would be uh, hawking around the di- different distributors. Yeah. To get some yeah. All right. Back on track. Um, where were we? Um, yep. Yep, she advances on him because, you know, he knows all about her. Um, he holds up the cross and she reacts to that, but then he inverts it and uh, and says he wants to worship her and wants to be a servant yeah. of the devil. Yeah, because you, you, you at first think, oh, he's going to seal off with the cross, but yeah, he, he wants to... I don't know whether he wants to be an actual vampire or whether he wants to be like a... Um, Familiar. A familiar. That's a good word. Yeah. 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 He wants to be familiar with you. Oh yeah. He definitely wants to be familiar with yeah. Uh, Yutta. Yeah. Here's a question for you. Go. On. Oh Yutta. Okay. When she uh, took on the role, if they gave her, you know, notes about, you know, this is how, um, you know, you act if you're one of the undead, would you call that a list for a vampire? Oh dear. Yeah. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, I've got another one of them. I've, I've warned you and the listener uh, coming up. Um, what is hilarious in this moment, and it's, it is absolutely, Jimmy Sangster, if you're still a- alive, you know, this is your fault, mate. He's the guy who cho- chooses, um, you know, angles for the cameras. There's a yeah. bit where Giles is a little bleeder, uh, sorry, pleader, um, and the camera is shot down the ski slopes of her breasts down into his face. Yes. I mean, how they got the ca- the camera must be on her shoulder yeah, to get that cleavage down. in, and you know Ralph Bates his face. Yeah, we perhaps perhaps we shouldn't do a uh, a down blousey count for Hammer Films. Oh, it would be off the scale. Yeah, you know, it would be off the scale. Um, and he's bitten, and it's very unusual for a Hammer film. The moment that he's bitten, there's no music. Usually, you've no. got blaring music, you know, telegraphing the fact, but the music only comes in. When she leaves him, and he he um you know begs her to uh yeah he does become a little pleader then um he, does, yeah. he uh, and she, he turns grey yeah she's tricked him isn't she she's um drained him enough to kill him but not enough to turn him no and uh, yeah yeah he 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 basically dies again yeah. watched by old Mike Raven yeah he's uh, he crawls off under a log <laughs> yes um the the countess pops in uh, on her way to Vienna as I say. Yeah. And at the time that Giles's body is found, the moment that, you know, uh, Judy wasn't happy about, that was her scene. Um, and she was too meek at the time and inexperienced to hold her hand up and say, excuse me, um, that's my, that, that this is me who's meant to be doing that. Yeah, it's, it's a shame because it is a nice little shot. Yeah. You know, it's quite, well, we'd have got more Judy, Judy, wouldn't we? Yeah, which is always a good thing. Hmm. So um, the Countess says she has her own physician. And of yes. course, it's Count Karnstein. And more dubbing. And it's the way, a heart attack. Yeah. That, I, that was he's an such a sinister, bit of dubbing, sinister, wasn't it? It is. He's such a sinister voice, Valentine Dion's got. I can't imagine anyone going, Ooh, this doctor seems okay. Yeah, but he yes, died of a heart attack. Really? Hmm. Yeah. Next, we've got Susanna. As I say, this film is a, a, about obsession. You've got Richard's obsession over Mia Carla, but you've also you've got Susanna Lee's character 
who bless her, she's very sweet, but she's obsessed. She's she has fallen instantly in love with yeah. Richard Lestrange. God which knows is, why. Which is again why I think they miscast this character. He should have been he should have been someone that you could imagine women falling for. Yeah. Um, and it's like, oh, you could do better, dear. You could do better. I do love it when um, when they're going through uh, Giles's. Uh, or when, when uh, Richard's going through Giles's, uh research on the car chase, and he finds that illustration, and it's like, was he was he a heavy metal tattooist? <laughs> this Giles, because they're, they're like they're exactly what you would get when a, a tattoo for a heavy metal band. Yeah, um, yeah. Very, I'm... very, uh, very, very strange. In the um, the original script, the. It, this was a sequel, uh, an out-and-out out sequel to The Vampire Lovers, and one of the books he's meant to find is a book about the Karnsteins by that Baron Von whatever yeah. from The Vampire Lovers, um, but that's not in here. I, I, I look at him looking through all those drawings, and I'm thinking, oh, you just know they were just thrown away. Just thrown away. After Can you imagine how much they'd be worth now? Oh, yeah. They'd have just gone in the skip or yeah. on a bonfire, wouldn't they? They were. They probably just got burnt in a, a an old dustbin out the back. Yeah, such a shame. Yeah. So he's seen all this. He goes and checks Giles's body, which is just laying yep. there, and he sees the puncture wounds on the neck. And he makes the same mistake and tells Mikala to meet him up at the castle. Why up at the castle? I, I, don't I, I guess privacy. see. Although he's got a cottage yeah. to himself now. Yeah, he's got a cottage to himself. Also, I don't know why he, he decides to to spill everything to Mikala. What was he hoping for there? Well, he follows it up with, I love you, you know? Yeah. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, You know I'm a vampire and you're a danger. Oh, you love me? Uh-huh. Yeah, but she doesn't want to know. She just wants to know what he found in those books. Yes. And um, she tells him she's a Karnstein and the family changed their name because, you know, the reputation of it. But she doesn't explicitly say whether she's a vampire or not. And I still don't know in this film whether this is a guessing game because we haven't seen her actually... No. Um, attack anyone, have we? No, that's true. Well, no, she had a nibble on Giles. Yeah. Okay, all right. Doesn't he say? Doesn't he say that he's got evidence she's a vampire? Though? Yeah, but that's just one yeah. one drawing. Yeah. Well, yeah. that's good enough for me. Yeah, and yeah. that's not going to get a conviction. I don't know what is. Yeah, and he wants her to prove yeah. that she's not a vampire. And here we yeah. go. Oh dear, yeah. the uh, the love scene plus song. Yes, the love scene on its own is bad enough because it really lingers like a softcore porn, doesn't it? Yeah. You don't actually see anything, but it's, yeah, it's... And it's creepy enough because he's there, but then we get this awful song, yep. Strange Love. Yeah. It's um, a bit on the nose. Um, Sung by Tracy. Who... No no, no second name, you'll yeah. notice. Nobody I wants to... Put, uh, I wouldn't have put my name to put, it. Uh, yeah. And of course, yeah, famously, Jimmy Sangster didn't know anything about no. this. This is Harry Fine, one of the producers' idea. He thought it would be a nice idea to to aid in merchandise in the film and getting a bit more money. Put out a single, right? Yeah. And yeah, was it Jimmy? Was it a big seller? Do no. We, do we know? <laughs> Jimmy Sangster um, went with Ralph Bates to see the film when it was released. Yeah. Um, and um, I think it was the uh, the Hammersmith Odeon they went to see it, 
and he had absolutely no idea. And he said I in just, his book, uh, he yeah. just sunk lower and lower and lower in the seat <laughs> when this happened. I know the actor playing Richard Lestrange, when they filmed that, he was very, very self-conscious because he considered himself too skinny and he didn't want to show too much uh, body. Yeah. Mm. But it's no, awful. Yeah. It's the it worst bit of the film. It's a terrible song. It's so out of place. Because everything else is really nice. doesn't scream the 70s at all, late 60s, 70s. It's all, you know, well, R- stuff. Richard's hair is, is well, screaming early 70s but, to me. But this song is so 70s. Mm. It's just terrible. It's and it just, awful. it kills the film dead, doesn't it? Yep, yep. And there's real, no, no, no real, it, 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 this is exploitation, exploitation, isn't it? We, we talked at the beginning. Uh, but yeah, it, it it's put, trying to put a bit of smut in. Yeah, yeah. It was to get a love scene in, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. If you've got a film called Lust for a Vampire, you've got to have a, a, you've got to have a bit a of love lust. scene. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So Richard goes home, he finds Susanna there, um, tells her not to say anything because basically he's covering for Mia Carla. And she's really good. Susanna Lee is really good in this. You know, yeah. she's, she's really disappointed in him. Yeah, um, she, she's, she's doing a really good part. I, just, um, I was just seeing if I could find out who Tracy was, and no one knows who Tracy was that did the song. Not a surprise. But it was, um, <laughs> the song was created by Harry Robinson, um, and he was asked to write a song by Harry Fine. Harry Fine wanted the same success as Raindrops Keep Falling on My Head, which had been in Butch Cassidy and Sundance Kid. Mm, no. Not really on the same league, no. is it? Yeah. So he goes to bed, he has a dream yeah. of both girls and Giles for some reason. Yeah, and it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a wonderful uh, almost comedy dream sequence, isn't it? Yeah. It's so cliched. But yeah, it's like, oh, I'm having a lovely erotic. Oh, God, it's Giles. <laughs> I'll put you off. Okay. Um, so, what is her name? Miss something. The, Susanna Lee's character. Yeah, I keep is calling it her. Play, play fair? Playfair. Playfair, but I prefer Susanna. I'll keep calling her Susanna. Fair? Yeah, Susanna. She's really the hero of this film, isn't she? Yeah, yeah. She's yeah. called in the police. Yeah, know? yeah. And, and That's a weird. This whole next, the police sequence is so weird, isn't it? It's like it, it screams a filler. Well, around about every time I watch this film, around about this point, I start losing interest. Yes, um, it, it, it it's it's lost me. Uh, I'm just waiting for the end. And um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I I do like. It's quite entertaining watching Inspector Heinrich making like Miss Simpson yeah. crumble. <laughs> the way yeah, she does. I like him as a character. He's very Columboish. I like him as a character, but he really does nothing. They build him up, and then he dies in the well thirty seconds later. Yeah, yeah. Who cuts the inspector's rope when he's trying to climb out of there? I think it's got to be uh, 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 Mike, hasn't it? Yeah, but you see a bit of his hair, and that's not that's not Mike. That's not Wonder Mike's it. hair. So maybe it was just someone a stand-in, a and we're we'll assuming it's him. Well, it could, perhaps perhaps there's two films going on here. There's also a, a serial killer film that we're just not seeing enough of. Yeah. yeah. Again, I wonder if that smacks that this stuff was filmed afterwards to pad it out. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Susanna, she knows the spell that Mirkala has yeah. put on folks. She goes there and she, you know, warns Richard. Um, and she cut out, out and out says it, I love you, she goes. Yeah. Um, exactly. um, but then storms off. She's got by Mirkala, who lures her up yes. to her room. 
and starts to undress her blouse, and that's when she sees the cross. Yeah, yeah, she was going to have a bit of neck action, wasn't yeah, she? Yeah, yeah. Um, Susan's dad arrives. Yeah. Um, wants the coffin opened, and I always forget he, his doctor that he's got with him is the old boy from Please Sir, Eric Chitty. Yeah, in a, a very rare serious role. Yeah. Um, he's great. I mean, what a good actor. But yeah, he he was sort of typecast playing that doddery old fool, old. Yeah, sort of corporal, uh, uh, private Godfrey-style character. But he's great in this. It's like, oh, I want to, I want to see a film with him as the partner to that uh, uh, police detective. Yeah. When they're solving Victorian crimes. Yeah, that would be good. That would have been great. It's never going to happen, but... No. <laughs> um, uh, my notes say, this film is meandering a bit at this point. Yeah. We're all over the place, aren't yeah. we now? It's lost steam, definitely. Yeah. Um, he gives a nod, uh, a nod to the coach driver, the evil yeah. coach driver, who we know is now a vampire. He's now a vampire, yeah. What, what's his job then? He's a coach driver for the Count and Countess and some sort of like grave bloke? I reckon he, run, he runs an Uber service, I reckon. He's, you think? Yeah, yeah you, could, you, can, you can write to a P.O. box to recommend him to come out with his coach to pick you up. It was yeah. a very primitive... Uh, very primitive service. Uh, it's like, where does the priest come from? Hmm. We see that this priest turns up. So, hang on, shouldn't you have introduced him earlier? Yeah, who summoned him? I guess yeah. it's the dad. This is David Healy, um, who who I always like. Um, we're going to talk about him one day on our um, Jerry Anderson show, because I know he's yeah. in UFO at one point. Oh, really? And, uh, yeah, he, he's really good, because he, he knows that the Countess's uh, physician isn't a registered doctor. He knows there's a cover-up and yeah. says so. And she says, well, your daughter actually committed suicide. She threw herself off the top yeah. of the uh, castle walls and we're shielding you from it because uh, basically she puts the blame on him having a divorce with yeah. Susan's mum, which is a bit heartless. A bit heartless, a bit uh, blame the parents. Yeah. And then, please, sir, doctor, can't explain the neck marks, yeah. which is a bit ridiculous. She's lost a lot of blood and they know all about the legends. But no, it can't yeah, be a vampire, can it? No, everyone knows there's vampires about. Everyone's aware that there's vampires about. Everyone knows that the Kalensteins are back since 40 years. But then it's like, oh, how did this, this blood-drained really body with two neck wounds, just the size and shape of a bite mark, ah, suicide. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Christopher Neve is stirring up the locals in the, uh, in the pub Yes. when that priest this arrives. This um this bit gets me. I know hammers were never great on their geography, but where where are these elements? So we've got we've got the finishing school. Yes. Yeah, where where um, Richard's cottage is. Um, we've got the castle. Yeah. And we've got the village inn. Yes. But where are they in relation to each other? Because because Richard meets the mob coming towards him. Yes. As but, they're going to the castle. So Richard must be going to the inn, and then shortly they're going to go right past um, Susanna Lee's yeah. room. So, so is it like one road? It goes from the. They've only got the that inn, one road. It's very apparent. All the they've school, got is yeah, yeah, to up the to the castle. But the establishing shot shows the castle on a whacking great big mountain. Yeah. But at no point is that road on a gradient. No. Yeah, it's completely flat. Yeah, it's very, very strange. I love it as well because yeah, they, they 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 work up the courage, don't they, the villagers, to to get the pitchforks and the burning torches out. 
to attack this castle, but then meander off at the same speed you would if you were looking around a boot sale. Yes. What the hell are they doing? Yeah. Um, but before we get there, a drunken Richard goes to yes. Mia Carla's room just as she's having a midnight nibble on Judy. Yeah. This is Judy's You're last gonna, scene. You're not going to give up nibbling on Judy to... I wouldn't. I wouldn't. Um, and, of course, this is what Judy says. There's the sheet yeah. up version and there's the sheet down. So we yeah. get to see the sheet down, which I'm not going to complain about. Um, second joke. Here it comes. Are you ready? This is the first time we see Mia Carla, right, yeah. with, with um, you know, her fangs in. And yeah. at no point in this film do you see her, when she's got her fangs in, um, talking. And do you think that's because when she had her fangs in, she had a lisp for a vampire? God. I, at least I warned you properly that time. Yeah, yeah. No, lisp for me. a vampire. It's not the same, really, is yeah. it? You told me the tooth about how bad the joke was. <laughs> um, I did, well, I, in a realistic way, she probably would lisp, but she's so dubbed. Yeah. But, All uh, right. Yeah, so you, you, were, you were saying that, the, that in, in the interview, in some in some countries, in some prints, this whole scene's missing, but it's pivotal. Yeah. Now, two weeks ago, when I said that, yeah. um, um, there was some confusion. It was the American market. Right. Okay. It was just too much to have a lesbian, an explicit lesbian, she's in a bed with her type scene. Yeah. So it was the American market. So they're believing vampires, but not in lesbians. No. <laughs> so yeah, off off the uh, villagers go. They're going to go to the castle, dig up all the bodies, and stake them. Well, why yes. haven't they done that? You know. Yeah, you've had forty years of safe time to do it. Yeah. But you decide to do it after the vampires have come back. Yeah. So Mike's up at the castle. Countess yeah. is up at the castle. Mikala is up by it's her tomb. Because Hans, that's Christopher Neve's character, uh, he says that's where they go at night. So every night, I suppose, Mia Carla has to go up to her tomb and sleep on it. He's very well informed on them. Yeah, he's the most informed, isn't he? Yeah. Yeah. Captain Um, Exposition there. Um, Yeah, they they come across the coachman, don't they, and and kill him. Yeah, but before that, right, Mike Raven's watching them approach very slowly. He's not worried, is he? No, and he's been watching for quite some time, and he says to the other two, too late, even though they've watched him uh, them slowly walk up that yeah. one road. Yeah. It, um, it's very similar to the Austin Power scene, where he's driving very slowly yeah. towards the guard. Yes, like, yeah. So there's a, there's a gang coming towards me. So, yeah, we find out the coach driver has actually got fangs. Yes. And, and, and he's, he's, van- he's obviously a vampire, isn't he? And he, he turns into a sack of blood. Yes. And they stake him. Yeah. Burn down the castle, they yeah. go. And this... No this one is... says to them, stone doesn't burn, mate. No. <laughs> you never, ever see them go up the hill, right? No. And when they go through the gate, it's the same castle courtyard we've got in Scars of Dracula, yeah. wherein you've got the courtyard and the backdrop is just sky because you're yeah. meant to believe that you're at the top of a it's mountain. Meant to be at the top of a cliff, yeah. Yes, but they never n- once lifted their foot. No, it's been a flat road the whole time. So unless the uh, you know that establishing shot, unless the the school and the inn are built up a mountain. Yeah, which makes makes that uh, headmistress even more stupid. Yeah. 
Mm. Okay, the the priest has said that fire won't stop them. Own only no. um, staking them or decapitation. Yeah. Which I, will I, do. I, I quite like this scene that that he's trying to stop them. He's going. It's pointless you burning it down the twats. Yeah, they're just going to come back. They'll be okay. And even Mike Raven says it. Then he's like, fire's not. He's so bored in this. And it, is yeah. this what immortality gets you? I don't when want people it. are burning your house down. You're stood there going, oh, what the hell? It's all right. We'll be all right. Yeah, we'll be naked because all our clothes will. Burn <laughs> yeah, off. Um, a naked Mike Raven. Yeah. Oh. Um, so yeah, Richard runs in, um, yep. and um, like Ma- an Mia Carla yeah. tells him to get out, but then yeah. she's stopped mentally by Count Karnstein. Yeah. Interesting. These vampires have no super strength, do they? Nope. That's None all gone. Whatsoever. Yeah, they just they just appear to be Captain Scarlet-y types. Yeah. No you changing know. into bats for no, Mia no, Carla no. or anything like that. They have no. They don't seem to have any uh, supernatural powers whatsoever. Because um, we don't we don't even see them actually turn anyone. No. 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 Um, yeah, I mean she she's released from this mental hold and goes in yeah. for a bite. Um, fangs bared, and she's pushed away by Richard, and falls down, and a flaming beam falls. Yeah, luck- luckily, uh, a beam falls, and, and weirdly, hits a, a wax dummy <laughs> that just happens to be lying there. Oh, that face the actress pulls yeah. is terrible, and um, yeah, that that wax dummy is bad. Yeah. It's so bad. I mean, you can see the seam lines down there. Yeah. I wonder if they thought it wouldn't, wasn't going to be quite such a close-up. Um, I don't know, but, but we have yeah. other stages of her, you know, yes, yeah. um, death, and they're just as bad as well. And we keep cutting back because obviously they got a cut between the, the different models they use for different, you know, amounts of her disintegrating. And we keep cutting back to Richard with a look on his face, and it's it's like. Mm. Mm. I like the way um, one shot of her, you, you know, disintegration. Um, she's burning away. And her eyeballs are there, but your, yeah. eyeball, your eyeballs are liquid. That would have been the first thing to burst, would it not? Well, we don't know what these vampire their eyeballs might, uh, might oh, be made out of Vampire yeah. eyeballs are different. Perhaps, perhaps that's the bit. Perhaps that's the bit that uh, that survives. So after the flames, there would have just been a, a Mike Raven wig <laughs> with a pair of eyeballs on it. Well, the, eyeballs, the, the eyeballs are blinking, and they just they use Christopher Lee's instead. Well, there's the question: What happens to the Count and Countess because they're not staked? No, I'm presuming after everyone goes back after the credits, they're just stood there naked, going, "See you in forty years." Yeah, yeah, and off they wander. Yeah, yeah. and I guess Richard goes off with Susanna Lee. He's been showed the error yeah. in his ways, and uh, I off wanted with to see some rumpy pumpy. I wanted a scene where he goes, oh, well, that girl turned out to be a vampire full of wax dummy. Uh, Susanna, are you up for it? And she went, nah. nah. She should knee, kneel him in she the nudges. Yeah, she can do better. Yeah. Uh, it's obviously they, they wanted a, uh, you know, the, the, the air quotes hero to get the girl in the end. And she was the only surviving girl. But he doesn't I didn't deserve believe her. that. No. I want a sequel where she uh, kills him for the insurance money. Yeah. Yeah, I'd like that. Yeah. Yeah, but but all in all, it's entertaining, isn't it? Oh, it's very entertaining. I really enjoyed it. It's lightweight. 
It's yeah, not very... a horror film. It's not horror. If I had watched this when I was a, you know, a, a, a video nasty collecting twenty year old, I would have really been disappointed in this. Um, but watching it now, I can appreciate what they were doing, and it's interesting, and it's some good performances. You got, you know, some some very good looking young ladies in it. Um, it it works. Yeah, it's not a horror film. It's not at all scary. At no point. It's a fairy tale. Scared. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's like um, Julie Judy was saying. You know, it's had a bit of a renaissance in the last few yeah, years. Yeah, I you think know, so. I think it's coming back to... into fashion. Yeah, yeah. And, and and that's good. I'm good to see it. I'd yeah. rather watch this than than any of the Twilight films. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. But then I'd rather have experimental uh, pile surgery than watch any of the <laughs> Twilight films. So. Okay, All right. So, uh, w- as is usual on this show, let's talk about the actors. Okay. Yeah. And this time we have three. Yeah. So, what's her name? Yut. Yutta. Yutta. Yeah. Okay. Yutta. A former au pair and model. I, yeah, I like the fact that when she when she tried to get into acting. Her real name is spelled with a J. Yeah. Uh, and that was the thing she changed. Yeah. Someone said to her, you're never going to make it with a, a foreign sounding name. She went, okay, I'll, I'll change the J to a Y. Yes. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, um, she emigrated to the UK in 1963. Um, and uh, her first film was actually in Italy. She came to the Hello. UK, but in Italy, The Girl with a Pistol in 1968 was her first film. Um, she's mainly known for this film, but uh, she was in a few of the Doctor films. Oh, okay. right. Okay. No doubt as Totty. Um, yeah. She was on On the Buses. Oh, she was on On the Buses. Yeah. The TV oh. show as oh, okay. Ingrid. I yeah. bet she's um, an open. can. Yeah, I can see the thing. She'll, she'll be the new Clippy. And she's from Sweden, and so Jack will and Stan will think she's a nymphomaniac. Yeah. You can see, you can see oh, it. Oh, you know it. You know yeah. it. <laughs> um, she was in one episode of Jason King, just mentioned that. Uh, one episode of The Persuaders. And I don't remember, I only remember Anne Astin on The Golden Shot. But, yes. Um, oh, yeah. was she on? Yeah. She yeah, right. was the, yeah, the, the bulk girl. Um, yeah. on uh, the Golden Shot show. Wow. That was a I, weird yeah. uh, game show, wasn't it? I used to love it. I used to love it. Because it was, it was, it, it, it's sort of a game show, but it's about shooting. Yeah, shooting so, things yeah. with a bloody great crossbow. Yeah, left a bit, right a bit. Loose. Boom. Yeah. On Facebook, I'll put a link to a YouTube. I'm sure they're on YouTube. No one will know what so, they're So on. anyone out, outside Britain won't know what yeah. the hell we're talking Speak. about. To be fair, Bob Monkhouse would have made a better lead than uh, as as Richard Lestrange. Bob Monkhouse in a yeah. Hammer film. There's yeah. a thing. Uh, so yeah, Hammer Time. Only the one thing. Lust for a Vampire is the only thing she did. She didn't do any other. No. No. Nope. Nope. Wow. One and only. Was she um, girlfriend of someone to get this part? Or she now who who was she? She was married to somebody who was associated with something but i've completely forgotten it um all right so that's her then we'll talk about mike raven yes do you know what his real name is 
Uh, I don't know. Austin, mm. Austin Churton Fairman. Austin Churton Fairman. Yeah, that sounds Fair enough. That's, that's posh. That would, that would do you as an actor. But yeah, Radio 1 disc jockey. No. I think maybe his name is to do with the fact that his parents were classical stage actors. Right. Okay. Uh, do you think that, because Judy was saying he desperately wanted to be an actor. He did, didn't he? Do you think that's why? Because his parents were stage actors. Well, before that, he did ballet dancing. Really? Wow. Yeah. That, I want to see that, because he's a big fellow, isn't he? Yeah. I can't, I, I mean, perhaps, it, perhaps I'm misjudging him, but he seems a bit ungainly to me. Yeah. He was also a TV producer, right. okay, but uh, started off on pirate radio, and that's when he uh, adopted yeah. the name Mike Raven. Uh, but when you know uh, pirate radio was got rid of, uh, yeah. he became a Radio One DJ. What um, was, do you know? What his shtick was? Rhythm and what blues. Yeah, right. yeah, the Saturday night program was the Mike Raven show, and apparently he became a leading authority on it. Oh, fair days too. But he chose the name Mike Raven because he had, for all his life, an interest in the occult. And he was desperate to become an actor in horror films. Wow. Um, and this was his debut. And unfortunately, he was singled out <laughs> by the media um, for it, you know. Well, he's no Christopher Lee, but I, I think he does all right in this for what he's asked to do. It's yeah. just unfortunately... Count Karnstein does piss all, yeah. Other than stare at braless teenagers from the bushes, yeah. But oh, he you don't built want to get on typecast that. as that, do you? But he, he built, he did build on it. You know, oh, he right. built on yeah. his interest in the occult. You know, when you saw newspaper interviews with him, yeah. um, you know, um, it was all always said that his wife and children they always dressed in black. His house was always painted totally in black. Um, but um, I don't know it's if big, that's true or not. Well, I mean, he might have just been a goth. It could be, could be. Yeah, yeah, yeah but he made two films, like you say, Crucible of yes. Terror and Disciple of Death. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure which one I saw his performance in. It's probably Crucible of Terror. That's the one that Judy yeah. was yes. in. Um, and yeah, no, it, it didn't come to anything. He retired, he moved down to Cornwall, I think it was, and became a sculptor down in Cornwall. Mm-hmm. All right, so that's Mike, and again, he only gets a Hammer time uh, rating of one. It's the only thing he did for Hammer. At first, because I thought he was the guy that, well, I watched this a couple of weeks back, I thought, wonder if he was like Christopher Lee's stuntman or something. No, that's Eddie Powell. Yeah, Yeah, because you can imagine him doing that kind of going, well, Chris Lee doesn't want to do it, or he wants an extra... Four pence an hour. Get his stunt there. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So, yeah, only a one for him. Uh, And then, yeah, Giles Barton, Ralph Bates. Yes. I did not know this. Do you know this about Ralph Bates? He's the great, great nephew of Louis Pasteur. I did not know that. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Uh, Born in 1940 in Bristol, uh, attended the University of Dublin and studied at the Yale Drama School. His first big role, and that's what brought him uh, to attention, uh, to the attention of Hammer, was where he played Caligula in the BBC uh, series of The Caesars in 1968. 
And of course, yes, famously, he was being groomed, wasn't he, by yes. Hammer. He was going to be their next big star. He was going to be the next Christopher Lee. Although I can't see him playing Dracula. Can you? Um, no, I mean, he was, he was too short and had a sort of hound dog face. I could see him as Van Helsing and things like that. Um, I didn't think he was a great Frankenstein, to be honest. But I do like his... I like his performances, and I, he, he comes across very well. But you could have seen him in the sort of hero's best friend part. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Which I think he would have fitted well. But yeah, they, they, they desperately... I think, again, looking at costs, Peter Cushion and Christopher Lee... Uh, sort of their cost had gone up and they wanted to introduce it. Was, I think it was the old mentality of we made them, we can make two new ones. Yeah. Without thinking, yeah, you didn't make them, they made themselves, you just chose them. Yeah. It was their talent. You've got to have the talent to go yes, with Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And of course, he went on to great fame, didn't he, in TV, especially Dear John. That uh, sitcom that he did. Yeah, which is what, when I think of Ralph Bates, I think of Dear John. And yeah. it, it was great. It was a really funny sitcom. Um, it's never really classed up there with the, the best of sitcoms, but I, th- I think it was a really good, solid yeah, one. Yeah, yeah. And it, it was a great part as, a, again, a very, a man with the weight of the world on his shoulders. Yeah, and it, as you say, he is a hangdog person, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. You know? He's got that, he's got that, uh, that look. Yeah. Um, like uh, um, Jeffrey Palmer. That's yes, sort of, yes, yeah, absolutely. Sort of yeah, 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 yeah. And uh, and he died far too young, didn't he? Yes, um, yes. Uh, Bless him. A shame. But uh, yeah, he has the highest out of our three today. He's got a hammer time of five. Um, and, you know, the other ones we will be um, yeah, um, yeah, talking about sure. at some point. Uh, Taste the Blood of Dracula was the yeah. first one he did for Hammer. Then the Horror of Frankenstein, where, yeah. as you say, he was potentially being groomed to be the new Peter Cushing. Then Lust for a Vampire. Then Brilliant in Dr. Jekyll and Sister Hyde. Yeah, yeah, that that is a good one. Uh, Martin Beswick, isn't it? It is Martin Beswick, yeah. yeah. And then uh, Fear in the Night, one of their psychologicals. Oh, which I still haven't... No, I've got that to watch. You've got it? Yeah, Yeah, I want to watch that. Him, Peter Cushing and Judy Geeson. I mean... Yeah. You can ask for more, could you? Indeed. Um, Interesting that uh, that he was Doctor Jekyll, given uh, the events that. You know, well, wait, wait! I'm, I'm going to announce that in a minute. Oh, okay. But before we do that, we've got to vote on these three characters. Oh, right. right. Okay. And as usual, I forgot design... we vote on this one. How long has this been going? Uh, hundred and eight minutes oh, well. so far. This yeah, could be the longest uh, story we've had so far. Yeah. Um, beating Curse of Frankenstein and Dracula. All right, so uh, I thought we'll go Mircala, Mike Ravens, Count Karnstein, and then Giles, all right? Okay. So Mircala first, the design of Mircala. So um, you've got the skeleton version, you've got yeah. the, uh, the, 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 the the naked sitting up in the uh, coffin version, and then the, uh, the, 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 the gowns version. Yes. Um, yeah, I don't know whether a hammer designer can can take the claim for uh, Bitter Stensgard's <laughs> look, but um, they accentuate yeah, it. They don't accentuate they? it. Well, yeah. I yeah, I um, the the skeleton, the, the whole creation sequence is brilliant. It's one of the best, I think. So much better than a lot of the Dracula ones. 
uh, which they obviously got bored of pretty quickly. Um, I think it's well done. It's a good skeleton. It's a, a really nice effect. Um, I like her uh, sort of sitting up pose. I mean, that's a classic. Well, it's almost iconic, got, isn't it? You got, know, it's got a classic shot. Many a, many a lonely night when I was a teenager. Um, yeah, it's a classic shot, uh, classic look. Um, and I really like her. I know she's dubbing really hurts her performance, but I like the rest of her performance. Um, I like her look. I like her hair's really good. And like everyone's, other than Ralph Bates, everyone's hair's, and Mike uh, Raven, everyone's hair's really nice in this. Um, so I'm, design wise, I'm going to give her an 8 out of 10, I think. An 8? Blimey, I, gave, I only gave her a 6. Oh, yeah, I've, All right. I've, I've, so got, that's I've a got a seven. soft spot for her. Or a hard spot. <laughs> and then how effective is Yuta? She's a little bit hampered by the fact that whenever she speaks, it's quite obvious she's being dubbed. Yeah. Um, but I think her performance being... If this was a real horror film, like if this was meant to be in the real world horror, Dracula style, or even... I think it would show up that her acting possibly might not have been as good as it you know, as, a, as a, an actress. But it fits perfectly in the um, fairy tale. So I, I'm going to stay at an eight. For I stay at an eight. I stayed at a six. Oh, right. Oh, yeah. All right. I, so I obviously appreciated her more than you did. You did indeed. So that's a seven for Mia Carla. All right, here we go. Count Karnstein then. The look. If you saw a photo <laughs> of Mike Raven with his widow's peak, I, big hair, red, yeah. red-lined cape. The look is great. I think we mentioned in the interview that still photos and just looking at him, it's really good. So design-wise, I think they, they've done a Christopher Lee, but they've given him that the beard looks good, makes him a bit different, and the, the hair is very bouffant. I'm, I'm surprised that was his own hair and yeah. sort of what he looked like normally. Um, so I, I'm going to give him a, I'm going to give him a six and a half for design. Six and a half. Yeah. I gave him an eight. Oh wow, we're a different way around, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I really like the look, yeah. you know. And I okay, think... I, I, I agree. I'll go to seven. I'll All go right, to seven. Go to a seven. All right. Yeah. So that's seven and a half. All right. Yeah, I think it uh, it fits in with this fairy tale thing. Yeah. This is almost pantomime villain. Chris Lee wouldn't have fitted, would he? I don't think. He wouldn't have yeah, done this. No, he wouldn't yeah, have done that role. Okay, so that's seven and a half for design. How effective, though, is this? This the is the rub, mic? isn't it? This is the rub. Um, when he's asked to do anything, he hasn't got the chops to do it. To do it <laughs> at all, and then his performance is absolutely killed by the fact that Valentine Dial dubs him because all you can do, you're watching it, and all you do is go, "That's Valentine Dial." Yeah, it's and hasn't might, he got a lisp? Yeah, hasn't he got a lisp? They might as well have got John Wayne to dub him. It would have had the same sort of effect. Um, yeah, I, I can't. I don't even know if I can be generous. A three, I think. That's what I've given him. Yeah. yeah. It, 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 he it, does yeah. his best, but he's not an actor, is he? His body like he's just stood there. Yeah, you know I mean, he could he could have made up for it by being physical or some body language, threatening or mystery, and he just stood there. Yeah, I um. I'd like to see footage of the first day of filming of him where oh, gotcha. the producers go, shit, yeah. <laughs> he can't this act. going to work. 
surely there must have been an audition for him. I would hope so. But then, because we're so distant from it, was he a well-known person? Like, well, he, he was a Radio 1 DJ. Yeah, but was, was he like... Because if they'd have cast... Um, I don't know. Name some other Radio 1 DJs at the time that weren't Peter Fast. Tony um, Blackburn. Tony Blackburn. If they'd have cast Tony Blackburn, you could go, this is totally wrong for this film. But the publicity, it's the J&T yeah. effect. Yeah. It? But if that was the case, if Mike Raven was as famous as Tony Blackburn back then, I'd go, okay, I can see what they're doing it. I can see the idea behind it. I can see why they would do it. But if they were hiring him because he said, I want to be an actor, I come from, I'm descended from actors, I want to be in Hollywood, and they did a, an audition, wow, what were the other people like? Yeah, who did they... Who yeah. did they turn down? Yeah. I think it's got to be for the publicity, hasn't it? Yeah. There's no yeah. other real explanation. Okay. All right. Well, that gives him a final, um, you know, hammer tally of 5.25. Right. So we move on to Giles Barton. <laughs> and you look at a photo of Giles. What do you think? Um, it's great. I know a lot of people uh, don't like the look and... Judy was saying that a lot of people criticised his performance, um, but the the design of him is is great. That centre part in the glasses, his demeanour. Um, he's a he's a creepy, oily fella. Um, yeah. Perfect for a fairy tale. Um, I'm going to give him an eight as well. Well, I gave him a seven, so that's seven and a half. Um, and how effective is he? Um, I I like his performance. I like Ralph Bates. I mean, you can you can say that it's not suitable to match anyone else's. It's too over the top. You could, there's a, a justification there. But I think it's just that he is, he is probably the best of the leading actors in this, or given yeah. the most to do. Well, he's the um, one who can act the most. Yeah, so, so I, 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 I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stick with an eight. Yeah, I've, I, I had an eight as well. Yeah. Okay, so that's eight plus 7.5 divided by two. Equals okay. That we'll call that seven point eight. All right. So at the end of that, our final hammer tally goes: Dracula from Dracula, Frankenstein's creature from The Curse of Frankenstein, then Giles Barton, then Mia Carla, then Count Karnstein. All right. Okay. Which is fair enough. I think that's fair. Yep. 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 I think Count Karnstein should be grateful that he's on that list. For a vampire, as you it, well, he's five point two five. How long will it be before somebody goes in a caravan before him? Uh, yeah. Sorry, below him. You know, well, you're going to have to have someone that's not only a bad actor but looks terrible. Looks as terrible well. as yeah. well. Well, stay tuned. Yeah. If you um, were hiring, if you had to, if you were running a a, a, a fun fair and you were doing a Halloween ride and you had to hire someone as the vampire. You'd pick him every time. That's the level. Totally. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. All right. Okay, uh, before we go, so time and place, we've got 1830 Austria. Austria. Yeah, I think we're safe. Right. All right. It's definitely not uh, Syria. Okay, if not Syria. And um, our surly innkeeper count is two now. Two, yeah. Okay, because right. we had one in Dracula. Yes. Um, I'm guessing what we're going to do with our top tens is every film we'll put on the list and then eventually when we reach the tenth one, yeah, um, one will drop off. Yeah. I'm guessing this is number three for you. Yeah, I think so. 
Yeah, I I don't think it's um it's quite up there with uh, Dracula or Frankenstein. No, it's it's a, it's as a, as enjoyable but in a totally different way. I don't think you could say this is as good a film because even if everything else was equal, this has got that bloody song in it. Can you imagine yeah. having a song like that in the middle of Dracula? Oh man, no. Yeah. no. <laughs> Please not. No. What were they thinking? Okay. All right, that's us done. Where where are we? 117 minutes. Blimey. Um, sorry about this, Ian. It's taken up a big chunk of no, your no, Sunday. Um, okay, before we go, as I say, this is the uh, the regular format of the show. So we take in turns in um, you know um, um, choosing a film. So it's Ian's uh, first turn, and I don't know. So Ian, what have you got? Well, I, I thought, because normally, normally when we do the uh, selections, we try not to, to lump all the good stuff at the beginning. But I think this Hammer one is slightly different in that I think it's going gonna, it's gonna to be mainly our favourites or the infamous stuff mm-hmm. to start with. Um, and I knew as soon as you mentioned doing Hammer, when was it two, three years ago? Um, I knew that one of my first choices would be one of three films, and I'm pretty certain you can guess, given given my predilections, uh, what those three films are. Um, so I wanted to do a Quake Mass film, um, and I I know that you're a Quake Mass fan as well. Mm-hmm. But I'm also I, I I say which one should I do? Is it Quake Mass Pit, which by you know by most definitions is the best of the three? But I love me a bit of Brian Don Levy, and I don't know what you think about Brian Don Levy as Quatermass. So mm-hmm. I'm going to go with the Quatermass Experiment, the sci-fi film that almost kicked it all off. All right, okay, that's good news because I do have that on DVD. Yay. Okay, well, if you hadn't, I would be worried. Yeah, and we haven't covered that on Effectively Speaking, so no. I've never talked about this film. So that's very good. Uh, the very first exclusive time um, we get to talk about it is here. And it's an exclusive film. Brilliant. I wish I'd thought of that. So, yep, join us next time, Quake the Mass Experiment. But also, there's going to be a tag on at the end, because in three days' time, believe it or not, listener, I'm going to go up to London, to the Odeon Leicester Square, to, uh, I can't even believe I'm going to say this, the world premiere of a Hammer film. A new Hammer film. I mean, if someone had said a couple of years back that there would be a Hammer premiere... Yeah, Hammer are coming back. What? No. <laughs> they're dead. Yeah. Just like they're vampires, yeah. they're dead. I, I also thought if they came back, they would be a TV show. I could see them bringing back House of Hammer, you know. Or that god-awful Frankenstein series yes yeah they could do something like that but to have have them start in a new range of hammer films i mean we don't know yet what quality they'll be will they be hammer in name only we don't know but you will find out quicker than anyone else three days so so what we're going to have is not only the quatermass experiment um we will have my um my uh review not only of dr jekyll but uh, what it what what it was like to walk down that red carpet? Yeah, who did you meet? Who did I meet? Yeah, and uh, did I talk hammer to any of them? Yeah. So, yeah, join us for that. That world exclusive, times, yeah. world premiere. Oh, I never thought I would be doing this. Blooming neck. 
Yeah. Giddy with excitement. I am. Giddy like a school child. Yes. yes. Yeah. All right. Okay. So join us in two weeks where we yes. have Quatermass and uh, me up in London. All right. You at Leicester Square. Yeah. Okay. All right. Good stuff. Right. See you then, Ian. Nice See you Thanks then, so. listener. Right. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye-bye. Thank you.